Did you know that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where lower the friction comes in by putting a protective lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. Well, hello and welcome to the weekly Secrets of Saturn livestream. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. This week we'll be talking about the central bank's digital currency. Speaking of which, i got to pull the document up. But anyway, joining us... Well, this week you have the Fantastic Four. You have myself, Wayne McCroy, Crow777, and the great Baldini. I'll let him be the thing. The thing? <laughs> the thing. <laughs> what? I like the Adams Mr. family. Fantastic. <laughs> Wait a minute. Thing had so much hair you couldn't even see him. <laughs> uh, no, I think he meant the Fantastic Four thing, Crow. It's a very, I went with the Adams family, too. We're, we're of the same age. We went straight for cousin it right <laughs> I, I missed that we're gonna have to play rock lobster yep oh boy all right gentlemen uh, carry that for one second i need to find my document i am unprepared this week oh my god what no we don't what need happened? no stinking design choices here we are. by the seat of our pants He's never looking for the left, never he's looking for for the leftover cocaine i think is what he's looking again for. <laughs> oh dear there Not a go. surprise, it's, it's lost somewhere. <laughs> Wayne, do we have a link for this to give to the fine people out there in YouTube and DLive land? A link. Somewhere out there in the wide, wide interwebs? It's out there somewhere. I forget where I found it now. Oh, all right, let's get it for uh, Oh, this was a Brookings one. We were doing the Brookings one, right? We are doing yeah. design choices for CD, CBDC. Policy yes. and technical considerations. For your consideration, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about digital currency from the central banks. Hmm. Mm. All right. I did find it. Yes. Let's give everybody the link. Outstanding. Sweet. I love how they opened the very first thing. It's a fiat currency. Let's get that right out of the way. Yep. Up, up, let's get this out of the way. <laughs> Here is linkage for everyone. There's one and the two. All right. I haven't looked at any of the comments yet, so if anybody is asking me anything, uh, hello, and I'll go back and look in a moment. I just want to get myself all settled. I just came back from my friend's farm. Uh, I, I frequently go on f uh, Wednesdays 
Uh, I get these sprouts from my buddy Sam. He calls himself Sam Sprouts, in fact, even though that's not his actual last name. But he grows these amazing sprouts, and that is what has been helping uh, Rose and her health a lot lately. She eats tons of them. What kind of sprouts? Alfalfa sprouts. Oh, not Brussels sprouts. Uh, he does have others, but the alfalfa sprouts is what I've been getting for Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also gets these these green pea shoots that are very good. A couple of different healthy things that we get at the farmer's market. But from Sam, I've been buying two pounds at a time for Rose uh, pretty much every week. It takes her about six days or so to go through it. And um, that's good because they're stupid healthy for you. Right. Hey, you know the difference between roast beef and pea soup? No, do tell. Well, anybody could roast beef. <laughs> But not everybody could be. Mercy. Mercy. I had to finish the statement yeah. because there was dead silence there. I think we better I go back bad. to the excess cocaine or something. <laughs> 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 All right, Fantastic Four, you're letting me down here. <laughs> All right, man. Sorry. Sorry. The jokes right. just yeah. don't get better. For sure. No, they're never going to get better um, at this point. <laughs> but they, they don't stop either. That's the thing. Um, all right. So, uh, Jason, you want to kick this off for us? Uh, yeah, or uh, how about Wayne? You kind of, uh, why, why don't you uh, tell us what we're looking at here? Uh, well, what we're looking at is the uh, – let me bring up the name of the paper. It's called Design Choices for Central Bank Digital Currency Policy and Technical Considerations. And this is a current uh, publication. It just came out July 2020. Working paper number 140, Global Economy and Development from the Brookings Institute. Uh, you know, one of your major uh, key uh, social engineering players think on tanks. the scene. These think tank groups that uh, kind of control the world. So – this is what we're looking at. So if we want to go ahead and dig into the paper here, it's it's very telling. Basically, they're laying on the table plans for central bank digital currencies. So they're planning on taking these things like, say, Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these other ones that you know, centralizing them to a central bank so that they could uh, actually take control of this whole uh, you know digital currency kind of scene and uh, take it over in much the same way they've uh, used uh these central banks to take over the currency of all the nations around the world as it is. So they're, they're trying to centralize this into one controllable type of a currency. Right. Because make no mistake that it makes it easier for them to control it when it's all one thing under a a computerized system, you know, the the less they have to worry about, the easier it is for them to manipulate everything. But uh, you're good, Wayne. I'll I'll start with the abstract here and give everyone the, uh, the teaser here. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Let's read the abstract. That'll be good. Central banks around the world are exploring and, in some cases, even piloting central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. CBDCs promise to realize a broad range of new capabilities, including direct government disbursements to citizens, frictionless consumer payment and money transfer systems, and a range of new financial instruments and monetary policy levers. CBDCs also give rise, however, to a host of challenging technical goals and design questions that are qualitatively and quantitatively different from those in existing government and consumer payment systems. A well-functioning CBDC will require an extremely resilient, secure, and performant new infrastructure with the ability to onboard, authenticate, and support users on a massive scale worldwide, no doubt. It will necessitate an architecture simple enough to support modular design and rigorous security analysis, but flexible enough to accommodate current and future functional requirements and use cases. 
A CBDC will also in some way need to address an innate tension between privacy and transparency, protecting user data from abuse while selectively permitting data mining for end-user services, mm-hmm. policymakers, and law enforcement investigations and interventions. Don't, Did you catch that, don't. folks? Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Permitting data mining. I continue. In what? this paper... We enumerate the fundamental technical design challenges facing CBDC designers with a particular focus on performance, privacy, and security. Through a survey of relevant academic and industry research and deployed systems, we discuss the state of the art in technologies that can address the challenges involved in successful CBDC deployment. We also present a vision of the rich range of functionalities and use cases that a well-designed CBDC platform could ultimately offer users. God, it sounds like they're stroking themselves off during this whole thing. They are. And, you know, it's funny they're talking about the users, but, you know, as though they mean the end user. That's not at all who the users are. Well, you can smoke it, too. It's got CBD in it, right? That's right, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. I thought so. I was like, CBD, see? (laughs) See? Yeah. All right. Anybody got anything snide out to, to throw in there before I get into the actual introduction of this lovely document? No, we're not doing cocaine jokes tonight. Let's do this. All right. Yeah, no, it's um, – but you can see from just the outset uh, the way that they're setting it up. Uh, it's it's weasel. It's just a – you know, it, it's a weasel fest from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, oh, yeah. The this is rich people sitting back going, hmm, how can we fuck them even harder? Hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah, essentially well, well, they're looking at the thing, you know, they're saying, okay, we have this paper fiat currency right now. How do we make this complete transformation into, you know, re- real fiat fiat currency, like like really fake, fake money? <laughs> Let's do well, this. Yeah. Fiat on steroids times a million because the data collection will be in real time. There will be engines mining it in real time. And so they will have a record of every transaction everywhere. The central bank has just handed all individual banks the ability to turn down any wire transfer or any purchase of any kind that they don't want to take the risk for and already on crow triple seven radio people who have been recurring members for years have a seven dollar transaction turned down because the bank states they don't want to take the risk so what we're seeing here is already happening and as Jason and I have said on endless shows, the day digital currency becomes the thing will be the day we have lost more freedom than any other time in the knowable history of human beings. And you won't yeah, even realize when, it at first either. And when your social credit score drops, you, you don't get to use it at all. Oh, look at that. We turned off your account. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, we don't. We didn't you like didn't get your vaccine. Facebook. We don't yes, need you, no stinking customer service. You, you <laughs> passed on some some uh, uh, you know, non-factual misleading data about vaccines on your Facebook page. We're going to have to cancel you. You know, customer service has already gone out the window because even when I tried to discuss the whole mask nonsense with an airline, they had no problem. She wouldn't literally admit it, but basically admitting that, yes, we're going, we're discriminating against everybody. If you don't do what we say, we don't want you flying. Go find somewhere else to travel. That's on the phone. If you showed up, we already know people that have gotten on planes without a mask, without being hassled. Oh, they're not not anymore. That's over. That's well, you know, Crow. In in the uh, central bank's uh, defense, though, if they if people do uh, 
tune into your show and they take the risk on letting the people tune into your show, they might find out that they're actually uh, being charged usury, which is a very bad thing by the central banks. So they wouldn't want that. So they would feel very unsafe with people listening to you. So (laughs) I can see their point in a way, but you know. Uh, on the face of this, the one thing that I think most people are missing is to put central bank in the title is a big deal in the same way putting federal, that lie. But now they're not even lying. They're telling you flat out central banks control the world currency to do this because this will be everywhere. And they're not hiding anymore, are they? When you put central bank in the title of your money, um, what could be more blatant? Yeah, and they, they very clearly, as uh, Jason will read here in a moment, um, talk about removing um, individual banks and putting just a single layer there and even taking, you know, the government as part of that. So uh, I'm sure we'll get there pretty quickly uh, as Jason reads through this. Central yeah, Bank. The... Oh, I'm sorry, Wayne. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, let's get to the introduction here because there's some juicy info right in there. Yeah, right in the beginning. Yep. Yep. Central Bank Digital Currency is fiat currency issued by central banks in digital form. <laughs> has progressed in the past few years from a bold speculative concept to a seeming inevitability. Let me say that again. It used to be a bold speculative concept to a seeming inevitability. Now, right there, they're pretty much telling you, hey, this is what's coming. We're telling you. This is what we want. That's what they're saying. Yeah, they're saying 80% of central banks uh, want it and uh, more than, uh, you know, more than 80 percent representing more than currently one-fifth of the world population is in a country that has a bank that is very close to deploying it including the U.S. So so how does that work if more than 80 percent of the central banks responded wanted it so someone picked up the phone and said hey man this is Mark Rothschild who's this this is Greg Rothschild yeah I'm all about this uh, Mark and then they (laughs) called up and said "Uh, Greg this is uh, Jimmy Rothschild what do you think about this new uh, CBDBDBD I'm all about it man yeah. That's that's basically what we're saying. <laughs> well, right? we're all in agreement. <laughs> Nine yeah, out of ten did a survey and say that they, uh, you know, fluoride's good for your teeth. <laughs> the other one's dead. <laughs> Except for that one black sheep, that, that uh, Russell Rothschild or whatever, he said, nah, I don't want, I don't want no uh, digital currency. Traded black sheep in a family. That was actually a Rockefeller, and they don't care about him. <laughs> <laughs> your new money, we're old money. Okay, so more than 80% of central bank respondents to a Bank for International Settlements survey in 2019 reported engagement in CBDC projects. One in 10 of these banks, representing approximately one-fifth of the world's population, deemed it likely that they would offer CBDCs within the next three years. The People's Bank of China, whose plans are well in advance of that of other major economic powers, oh yes, yes, we know their plans are way in advance for everybody else's, has begun to pilot a digital yuan, or however you pronounce that. that that's actually a typo. It's plot, not pilot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a communist plot at that. <laughs> <laughs> but pi- with the word pilot, though, they got to get the uh, cybernetic idea in there, so there it is. But how many, time, how many times have we pointed out that uh, the China uh, is kind of the, the, you know, the early release? It's ground. kind of beta test, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the proving ground because nobody can say no. And apparently Australia is the number two. Okay, we figured out how to completely screw those guys over there. So take it over there and let, let the take Aussies take it. to the take Western them. world, yeah. Yep, exactly. that, that's their test bed for it. Hearings on CBDC have taken place this year in the U.S. House Committee on Financial Services. 
The European Central Bank has initiated a project to explore CBDC development, while Sweden, which is an EU but not Eurozone member, has begun testing a CBDC known as the E-Krona. The Krona is there. Yeah, Corona. Right? <laughs> so just so people aren't getting lost here, <laughs> any mention of a crown or a crown, you're, you're talking uh, about Saturn. That's the no. root of all that. That is the foundational idea. So when you're talking about a uh, Krona, it's the same idea, except this one's electric. It's an e-corona. Check out this next point, something that I've actually been talking about for quite some time because I saw it well over a year ago. At the same time, a Facebook-initiated fiat-backed cryptocurrency <laughs> called Libra has raised the prospect of an industry alternative. Regulator concerns about the project and perhaps incorrect speculation that it has catalyzed CBDC development highlight Libra's overlap in goals with CBDC. You you heard that correctly. A so, social media platform wants to put out a major world currency. Do you see the problem here? So here's what we were talking about before we went live. Wayne's pointing out federal judge says, hey, state governor, knock it off. State governor comes back, vetoes or does whatever the hell he does. They're setting up each governor to overreach what they're allowed to do. In the end, it is my speculation that the state governments will fail. And as you are seeing here, basically Taco Bell, I mean, Facebook is putting out a world digital currency that's going to compete with the central bank. So how long is it before our state governments are, in fact, Taco Bell? Well, I'll, I'll take that even one further to, to a degree, Crow, and say, uh, considering that the Civil War uh, was, you know, not really about slavery, but really about states' rights. Uh, here we have states' rights and uh, the introduction of Civil War 2.0, also something we were talking about, <laughs> right, uh, prior to prior to the show, is that um, uh, the uprating and, um, you know, the basically riots that we see in Western states now in major cities, um, you know, promises to bring, I mean, they're outright saying that there's going to be um, civil unrest rest following the election no matter who is pronounced the winner so uh here we have states rights one and then here we go states rights crushing it uh two so in both cases uh, in, in both of these events they essentially destroyed the idea of a, of a loose federation of states and the federal government trumps everything can you imagine how many pallets of bricks they're going to have to get ready for the election? <laughs> Home Depot's going to make a killing. Speak, yeah, they're and probably again, just heavily vested in Libra. And just pointing at pointing out on that, notice that again during the uh, lockdown of this pandemic, uh, the the uh, outlets that are allowed to remain open are, you know, of course, the big corporate numbers, and and the, all the mom and pops are forced to show uh, shut down. Uh, no, no question there about what the intention is. Mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, and it's not lost on anybody here either that uh, the, the name of this cryptocurrency is Libra, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Crow, do you want to uh, give us a little it. astrologicalness on that? I'm actually waiting to hear Wayne. Wayne, take that scale and weigh it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, Libra, the scales. Um, what do we know about Libra in the uh, Zodiac, Crow? It's, it, we, we can, we've shown. Yeah, so... So we can tell you that Libra is an addition. We proved it, and I made the mistake of saying I can't trust these 12 signs. As I did more research, I found that there was a time before anything we're really aware of where there were only 10 zodiacal signs, the claim being in more than one place that I currently accept that Virgo, Libra, and Scorpio were one idea, one sign. Now, in our age, sex is a big deal. And anyone who can't admit that 
is confused. But in the zodiacal mind, sex is a thing that has to get worked out. The idea of gender, the idea of sex, and that is what the virgin, the scales of balance, and Scorpio, the scorpion, which actually represents the genitals uh, as the body part that lays over the zodiac. The stinger. Uh, these were, yeah, these were all put together. But you see, back in the day, we know that the scorpion's claws used to sit exactly where the scales of Libra are, because the two stars that are the brightest in Libra are Zubinel Shanubi and Zubinel Shamali, which basically means the north and southern claw, the scorpion. The claws. So someone. Someone clipped the sea laws, if you follow, and put a little scale in there. And so Libra is working double, triple, <laughs> quadruple duty. I don't know what Libra's doing, but it's busy. Absolutely. And just for total disclosure, I just wanted to hear Crow say Zubinel Shanubi. So <laughs> I did too. Zanubi Shanubi. Uh, and that, that just tipped the scales for me. <laughs> Sounds like a 1940s <laughs> dance. But anyway, my, my take on this is this whole Libra idea. This is combining uh, the other central bank ideas together into one and a new union of two older ideas. Like like you said, that combination of Scorpio and Virgo uh, and joined together to make Libra. This is the same kind of thing. This is the birth of a new system, uh, much like, you know, that that kind of encodes with, with that idea. There's... It's, it's the combining of the old world currency system and the old power structure together into this new world ide order idea of the currency yeah, because they're planning on they're planning on tying together not just the currency but uh, basically your your biometrics and everything right along with this do you see the the double encoding that's going right, on right well i was i was going to play i was going to play on that Wayne, because libra if i'm not mistaken is also the literal or very close literal name of the old rome republic currency one form of it but it is so close to libero or, li, you know, what we would call a book in Latin. And so Facebook is going back to Rome to grab a currency. You, you see, it's like a quadruple entendre here going on because this book's going to get read in real time as Facebook does with all its data. So the idea of the book, the ledger, uh, the permanent record is there. It's echoing back to, I don't know, someone would have to look this up. I'm pretty sure it's either the Libra, Libro, Libri or something like that is the old yep. Roman currency. Yep. Um, but, uh, of course, este un libro, as we would still say uh, in the modern day in a Latin-based language, it's the book idea coming from Facebook. That's a lot of words. Right, and this is talking <laughs> about, uh, you know, uh, using data. Like, that's what this is talking about. Right. They're, they're collecting all the data real and they're time. not letting it go in real right. time. And even bank comes from, uh, you know, the original uh, first Latin and then Italian banco, right? Banco, the bar, yeah. the, mm -hmm. the counter that they would set out uh, to, to do the stuff. So, I mean, yep. you were, it's a full circle. Where, uh, was it, was it Libra? Libra, yeah. Was it Libra? Or I got, I got to look it up now. I've, I've vexed my own self. What was the name of the Roman currency? Was it Libra, Libra something? Libra, yeah. Oh, someone's uh, posting, I see. It's L-A-B-R-E. I'm a little I slow on the uptake. I noticed um, uh, they plainly say here exactly uh, what I have uh, said previously about uh, cryptocurrency like Bitcoin uh, is that it led the way. And they very clearly here say that the goals of cryptocurrency and bit, uh, such as Bitcoin dr differ dramatically <laughs> from the CBDC. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> so <laughs> you, th you think? <laughs> so we, we really haven't put the one major obvious thing on the table at what point of the year does the sun enter the sign of Libra? It's in the fall, right? When we pass the equinox in Libra, we are basically in free fall down to the low point of the sun where it goes to die for that year. 
So there's the whole fall idea wrapped up in this as well. Yeah, and they get, somebody asked me today if I had planned big plans for this fall, and it, it took me a moment to figure out if they meant the season or the civilization. I didn't know. Sure. Pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, I'm going out to get some knee pads. What are you doing? <laughs> some rope and a couple of shovels. and Oh, dear. All right. All right. Various forms of CBDC have, in a sense, existed for years, but as wholesale facilities available exclusively to financial institutions. In other words, they've been doing it with themselves for quite some time to get it all the kinks worked out, I'm sure. What is striking and potentially transformative about many recent CBDC initiatives is their retail focus, that is, their aim of democratizing central bank account holdings to individual consumers or, at a minimum, making digital central bank liabilities available to households and businesses. Our focus in this paper is on retail CBDCs. While the goals of cryptocurrencies, such as Bitcoin, differ dramatically from that of CBDC, they offer evidence of feasibility and technical idea for retail deployment of digital currency. Their technical foundations underpin Libra have to some extent influenced CBDC design plans and strongly inform the findings and recommendations of this paper. Yeah, but what, why the hell would you want to add liabilities to your household? I'm not quite <laughs> what I mean, really, Baldy, what the hell does that mean? Do you know what that means? Yeah, I think it's um, just it's a the banking term. So like asset liabilities, it makes it gives you access to it. I think is what they're I think is the term that they're trying to use. I there. think I can look up the word liability and figure out I don't want them. I agree <laughs> with that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's like that's debit and credit, but uh, the but yeah, like have to put that in is because it's based on a fiat currency. There's exactly back in it. so the whole exactly. thing's a liability from the start. That's so. The, so the only difference is, is it's the dollar, except we don't have the paper to hand around. We just imagine a, the electrons right. on the head of a pin somewhere. That is correct. It's really yeah. just to re, to remove the. To me, this whole thing again is just smacks of they're just trying to remove the paper currency to make it valueless, so they have total control uh, over the transfer of assets. And uh, I, I would expect that they're gonna. Um, this would be hand in hand with um, sort of outlawing bartering. Um, just making that uh, taking that off the table altogether because that's the only other um, thing you could do if you don't have you know a, a cash a, a, some sort of you know paper currency that's outside um, their system. No more lemonade stands. No more yard sales. Yeah, you yeah. know all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. So all right. So I don't think we need to go through that part. Let's jump down to section one point one. And I just flipped way too far in this stupid document. There we go. Nope, that was 2.1. So we're jumping to risks and liabilities. Benefits right? and risks. There we go. Among the main potential benefits spurring central bank exploration are 1. Efficiency. CBDC can reduce friction in existing payment systems, potentially lowering the monetary cost and increasing the speed of transactions while ensuring finality. Until, you know, the internet goes down. The prospect of instantaneous payments has proven attractive in the U.S., for instance, in view of the challenges of dispersing financial aid during the current <laughs> pandemic. Next. <laughs> Those were some lovely horse noises you just made. Uh, you can tell how serious I take the coof, you know? Straight All right, from next. the horse's mouth, right? Broader tax base. CBDC can potentially bring more economic activity into the tax net, 
limiting tax evasion, and boosting tax revenues. Moreover, the traceability of digital transactions, bingo, there it is, would inhibit the use of CBDC for illicit purposes such as money laundering and terrorism financing. You got to put the previous scare nonsense in there too, right? Or access if you didn't pay your taxes because you ain't getting no more till you do. Yeah, see that? It's all about reducing crime. Oh, oh see how they see how they use this stuff to try and push like, you know, what they would consider positive ideas. Well, there won't be a black market. There won't be this. There won't be that. There won't be money laundering, terrorism. None of this stuff could go on because we could track it. Well, you know what? If they claim that they could figure out who sneezed on who and got this person sick with the corona, you, you don't think they you know what they don't they know what you're doing with your money? I mean, come on, <laughs> seriously. If that's what they're pushing, it's it's nonsense on the face of it. And well, again, it's like, tied to social credit score as well. So if they don't, you know, if you cross the street against the light, um, jaywalking or anything, again, social media posts or uh, you, you talk to this person or you didn't wear a mask, um, they, they can do whatever they like with your with your liability. <clears throat> Maybe we should appreciate it. The cartel's getting serious on lowering crime. <laughs> yeah. Sure they are. Next is flexible monetary policy. The zero lower bound constraint on monetary policy, interest rates set by central banks, could in principle be relaxed, with a central bank instituting a negative nominal interest rate by reducing CBDC account balances at a pre-announced rate. Similarly, CBDC would ease the implementation of non-distortionary helicopter drops or withdrawals of central bank money without relying on fiscal transfers. In other words, it just means that they can manipulate the system even easier on a much larger scale with with less steps in the way. That's what what I just read. That that just means taking money because they can. How do you reduce an account balance? You, you take a fee. By the way, guys, on the 18th, we're going to take a $300 fee because it's uh, the 18th. <laughs> that kind of thing. That's what it's talking about. The bank, the bank where I am now, because um, so few people use savings accounts these days, <laughs> have now said there will be no fees on your account if you have twenty grand in your checking. Isn't that nice of them? Yeah. And, and you know what kills me? I have a... Uh, uh, an interest-bearing savings account where they actually pay you interest for your money in there. I see like maybe three cents a month or something in interest yeah. out of that. It's like ridiculous. Whereas if it, you owed them that money, your interest would be more than you know the actual amount of that you actually owe. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but, but with consider consider with the you know again a centralized banking fiat currency that's all digital, um, you wouldn't even have the option uh, to say, hey, screw you, I'm going to uh, withdraw all my money and go somewhere else and keep it under my uh, bed yeah, again you can't do that so uh, they do have you by the short hairs next is payment backstop cbdc could act as a backstop to private sector managed payment systems avoiding breakdown of payments systems in times of crisis of confidence and rise in counterparty risk at least they admit it's a game using the word backstop right we're just playing ball here Next, we have financial inclusion. CBDC could serve as a gateway for unbanked and underbanked individuals to have access <laughs> to electronic payment systems and potentially underbanked right under- to other financial uh, products and services as well. Yeah. I've never felt underbanked. I'm sorry. I just don't know. 
We highlight an additional benefit in this paper, namely opportunities for novel financial technologies, particularly for regulators. The many potential benefits of CBDC should be weighed against a number of potential risks, both financial and technical. And they may include disintermediation of the banking system. Many CBDC plans seem to be gravitating toward a two-layer architecture in which the CBD itself serves as a basic functional layer while existing non-governmental financial institutions interface manage a second layer that interfaces with users. Nonetheless, by reducing transaction frictions and possibly even providing interest-bearing accounts, here's your three cents, Wayne, CBDCs could disintermediate significant swaths of the banking system. Has anyone looked up that word that they're throwing around that doesn't mean anything to me? What does disintermediate mean? To get the middleman is what yeah. they're saying, basically. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'm looking here, it up. Thing. Because... In order to cut the middleman, they have to be the middleman. So there you go. It's yeah. the same thing. They're just changing the middleman. That's all they're doing there. Uh, well, it sounds I like what they're it... trying to do is is make it an even shorter distance between you mm -hmm. and them. That's yeah. correct. That is correct. Yeah. Well, according, also, according to Google, this word went into popular use sometime around the 2000s, and it went off the scale around 2010. Or yeah. Around. It's a made-up word. I mean, it's made, yeah. There you go. <laughs> What's a synonym for it? Uh, um, just intermediate <laughs> to cut out. I yeah. Guess. I don't know. Again, that I would, would just say be. cut out the middleman would be uh, e the easiest way to put it in lay terms. Well, they're saying miscell is a synonym. Miscell? Yeah, miscell, miss upsell, um, yeah, whatever. Let's hmm. go. Uh, I find it amusing they use terms like financial inclusion. That doesn't sound socialist or anything, does it? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm terribly underbanked right now. Underbanked. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call each of you randomly sometime in the next week and ask if you're feeling underbanked. Yes, I'm feeling Are you feeling underbanked today? You know what? Nobody's taken enough of my money lately. I'm feeling way underbanked. <laughs> right. Somebody hit me with a fee. Somebody hit me with a fee. I Come saw, on. So the river will flood if it's underbanked. Right. There you go. Uh, or your your um, billiard shot won't go because it's underbanked. Uh, I saw in the chat somebody said that reality has jumped the shark. And I'm like, I think it's nuked the fridge at this point. <laughs> well, we, Is Indiana Jones in that on. fridge? <laughs> I'm a little worried about miscalibration. Do they address that anywhere in the stock? Yes, that's <laughs> miscalibration. Yes, next we have the miscalibration of government involvement. Uh -huh. One acknowledged benefit of a two-layer architecture is the opportunity for financial institutions to innovate on top of a CBDC. A CBDC design that arrogates to a central bank activities such as payments that can be cheaply and efficiently be managed by the private sector could limit innovation. At the same time, systemic risks and incompatibilities could arise without adequate central bank involvement. They're saying, oh, yeah, the governments, we don't need them involved because they screw things up. We'll handle what? the money. We'll handle, handle the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, miscalibration, man. All that miscalibration of the incompatibilities. <laughs> mm -hmm. It gets a little out of hand when government's involved. So they could take the government right out of the 
the mistakes idea mistakes were made. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's openly being shown that a corporation that no longer hides as a federal entity will be at the foundation, and above that, corporations will interface with the users, basically putting you under corporate law, I would imagine. Financial risks due to lack of regulatory expertise and capacity. Oh, with increased speed and efficiency, and especially financial innovation, come new risks, financial and technical, many enumerated above. Regulators may struggle to develop the tools and expertise to address these risks in the face of a dramatic change in the basic operation of the financial system. In other words, people might resist your tyranny. Yeah. Yeah, I also find it a little disturbing here, Baldy. These guys clearly do not adhere to the first rule of the Saras Club. No, no, they, uh, <laughs> they're all over it. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, they, they just, they, they're making up words here. It's uh, yeah, one of the first, exactly. first rules of academia is to do that. Just make That's up right. jargon. Make a new language. They, did, they, they came up with that first word, you know, around 2000. But uh, I hope they consider our privacy in all this. <laughs> no, I, I think I think they won't. In fact, when Jason reads, he will will be uh, <clears throat> clear on the fact that uh, loss of privacy, yeah. loss their, of privacy, their major also concern about technological vulnerabilities too. Aren't you? So, yeah. <laughs> Given the complexity and performance limitations of current privacy-enhancing technologies, it seems likely that a true retail CBDC will expose new forms of sensitive information to its operators. CBDC designers should consider legal and technical mitigations from the outset. In oh, other words, make sure they have total and utter control, right? And you know, the way that I read that actually is, um, is that they don't want to exp they, they don't want to reveal how much data they're capturing. So uh, what would happen? I mean, all of it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what would happen is that the um, the retail locations would be aware of how much data, um, and they're going to say, "Hey, where's our cut? What, what what kind of advertising information can we get?" Um, and so there's a backload uh, right there, Le legal and technical mitigations um, that they're looking at from the from the outset to uh, sensitive to uh, revealing sensitive information to its operators. Um, they, again, my experience, um, as limited as it is, though, but with the alphabet agencies, is that is the one thing uh, that they most uh, are concerned about is even less than the data itself. Um, their <clears throat> their means and methods of gathering that data is uh, the most sensitive uh, bit of information that they keep close to the vest. So, so. Um, the way it's even worded, though, it doesn't say anything about taking action to protect anything. What it says is CBDC designers should consider legal and technical mitigations. So that could be read in at least two ways that I catch. One of them being, hey, man, there's these legal hassles that are getting your way. How are we going to mitigate those? Yes, circumvent. Right. So it has. it's just clever wording basically telling you um, – you know, here it comes. Don't ask for Vaseline. You ain't getting none. By well, the way, you mentioned a... someone getting their cut. Well, that just means more fees to tack on us schmucks out here. Sure. Uh, but, but uh, you know, and again, as, uh, as Crow was saying, if you go to the very next bullet here, it's saying basically, quote, quote, entrenched design mistakes, right? So we'll, may, we'll put in these back doors, <laughs> right? So um, we can have this um, fundamental design mistakes should not be underestimated. <laughs> Technological vulnerabilities or entrenched design mistakes. I, I love the way they word this stuff. Yes. Even with conservative design, even with, CBDCs will represent a technical experiment 
whose risks of information security failures and fundamental design mistakes should not be underestimated. Our focus. So it's, like in, the, it's, it's like the shots, though, isn't it? We don't test shit anymore. We just, you know, we do. Well, no, these you, you have to take this, so we're going to skip all the uh, actual testing point, you know, stuff that takes normally five years. Just your yeah. money. Who gives a shit if it fails? <laughs> I'll translate that for you. We're going to put purposeful back doors in this stuff so that we could get in there if something should go wrong and, and take care of ourselves with it. That's exactly. what that means. And if anything goes wrong, we're going to say, oh, it was a flaw. We made a mistake. Did, has anyone heard any whisper of an idea of blockchain anywhere? We haven't yet. <laughs> Not yet. Nope. Not yet. No blockchain here, huh? So it, here we it go. Occurred to me, it occurred to me that this document would almost be better if it was um, read by William Shatner. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was just thinking that in the last one. Yeah. Our focus in this paper. <laughs> the foundation of potential choices. currency. <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't feel like doing a Shatner voice for the next two hours. Alternately, so. we could go with Christopher Walken, too. Our focus in <laughs> this paper Up his on the ass. technical choices. <laughs> I'm, th I'm thinking Marvin Martian. <laughs> oh, that I can do. CBD 38 space CBDC modulator. <laughs> <laughs> they would all work, I think. Well, it'd be going a, to blow up the earth. Yeah, I like it. And this would be an interesting script reading. We'll just have uh, invite those guys to it next time. The foundation of a digital currency is a digital record of all of the transactions that have taken place in the system. Such a record is often referred to as a digital ledger and may be viewed abstractly as a digital bulletin board to which all transactions in the currency system are posted. The set of transactions in the ledger cumulatively determine the account balances in the system. The set of all account balances at a given time may be regarded as a snapshot of what is sometimes called the state of the ledger. To ensure against ambiguity and account balances at any given time, the ledger must also include a sequencing of transactions, generally based on their time of receipt, that determines their order of execution. In the view of a ledger as a bulletin board, new transactions may be thought of as appended to an ever-growing ordered transaction list. Skipping down. Anyone got some comments there? Yeah, it'd be um, interesting to see if they actually do that. Um, years ago, <clears throat> I actually sued a bank and uh, and got some money back because they had several times uh, withheld my deposits um, to um, charge me um, insufficient funds fee for checks that were out. But <laughs> the deposits came before the checks ever got written, uh, and so I uh, got them for a little bit of fraud. A local local bank they did that about three times, and I got to smack them. <laughs> well, what's the point? What's the point of even pointing out this idea? Doesn't it go without saying? Why? Why would you bother? Well, uh, again, uh, this the, the situation I was talking about there um, occurred in uh, Utah, uh, and so I don't know if the uh, it may differ from state to state, but uh, there probably are some places that that is still legal uh, to to uh, do the transactions in any order you like uh, to serve their interests, and so um, they they may be saying here again we can do whatever order we like. They're saying the sequencing uh, of events would be um, you know in an ethical way, but. <clears throat> Um, they say, see, figure one for conceptual diagram. I'll take, take a look at that. Um, well, my point would be the point of even pointing this out, it goes without saying. Anytime you're banking anywhere, if you make a debit and don't have a previous deposit to cover it, then you've been overdrawn, right? 
So it goes without saying that this would have to be the way of things, but it almost sounds like they're saying if we want to, we can claim the debit came before the deposit or something like that. Yeah, then that's what I was saying, Crow. That's what actually like occurred to me is that um, a bank held my deposit um, to uh, – <laughs> right? So they didn't deposit the money for two or three days so that they could uh, take other checks that were out, right, and, and uh, charge uh, penalties on it. Uh, and I could prove uh, via timeline and deposit slips, right, that, uh, that they had done that. Uh, I, I expect that many places do that uh, all the time uh, and even by a matter of minutes and, um, again, for purposes of, um, you know, compounded interest and all kinds of reasons. So it does uh, – I agree with you, Crow. It does sound like they're saying it to say, well, duh, of course we do it this way. But with the idea, uh, again, with those uh, – what we just read <clears throat> with those inherent errors <laughs> written in, yeah. uh, you can do whatever you like. Not only that, notice the language they use here. It says, include a sequencing of transactions, and then it says, generally based on their time of receipt. See, there's their clause right there, generally based on their yeah. time of receipt. So, you know, that gives them the leeway to switch around timestamps or however they want to do it or figure out how they're going to post these certain things, debits or credits, to the account. And uh, it's not necessarily based on at time of receipt all the time, according to this, if I'm reading into that correctly. And it sounds like that's kind of what the implication is there. It does seem to be like the third. Uh, so look at the look at point one about the ledger. And by the way, they call this a paper roadmap. There's no paper involved anywhere. But look at the, the number one below what Jason just read uh, about the database. So they're claiming most database records can be deleted, which is actually pretty much nonsense. There is no database made. Most of the time, if something hits a database, it's there for however long the database is. But look what they're saying here. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay, so what do you, what do you want to go down to here? here. Uh, a retail CBDC assigns account balances to individual users, necessitating a regime for account management with a supporting notion of identity. Critical design elements include the choice of entities to verify users' real-world identities and translate them into digital form and the mechanisms by which the system authenticates enrolled users. To access the CBDC system, users need specialized applications, typically referred to as digital wallets. Wallets serve as the endpoints for user authentication and provide user interfaces that guide users in their interaction with the CBDC and allow them to initiate transactions, view account balances, etc. Wallets may also perform transaction authentication, facilitating the CBDC's verification of the validity of submitted transactions. The term bulletin board suggests a publicly visible medium. Indeed, transactions in cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin are readable by any user, resulting in strong transparency. Central banks, however, may have more stringent requirements for the privacy of users' uh -huh. transactions and are unlikely to embrace a fully public model. Digital ledgers <laughs> yeah. can be designed to reveal information selectively and or only to authorized entities. All right, so let's jump That's down That's a mouthful. Here, right? Bah, 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 bah. Let's jump down. Transactions recorded. Okay, here we go. Transactions recorded on digital ledgers can transfer money between accounts, but can also perform more complex actions. Smart contracts are computer applications that execute on top of and can greatly expand the capabilities of digital ledgers and thus CBDCs. 
We explain how the history of smart contracts and cryptocurrencies illuminates potential benefits, including the opportunities to create powerful, novel financial instruments, but also highlights the potential pitfalls of enriched CBDC capabilities. I loved Pitfall. It was a great game. Yeah, right. It <sighs> was a great game. Well, you'll you'll notice. play it with all your money. It's opportunities to create powerful, novel financial instruments. Things like tying your social credit score and your biometrics to the currency itself and being able to use this as a novel form of control over you. Uh, Maybe I'm reading too much into that. I don't think I am. But, you know, that's kind of the takeaway I get. And note that, again, that they say that the tension between transparency and privacy (laughs) – yeah (laughs) well here's the other thing these are smart contracts what do we know about anything that they call smart it's yeah you'd be stupid to use it exactly you mean 5g internet of things and all that good stuff yep yeah that's that's smart right there gotta make sure all our banking can communicate at the speed of goodness knows what right it's important that uh, my refrigerator can talk to my bank so you know i'm more worried about my toaster company I'm yeah, much more worried about sure. my toaster. Yeah, I put some pretty sketchy so, things in my toaster. So look at the use of adjective. The idea of novel as an adjective, which is how they rolled out the beer bug. Yep. A new and unusual kind, different from anything seen or known before. A novel idea. Um, that's That was attached to all the beer bug nonsense, but now it's being right from the attached. Yeah, attached to basically your ability to buy and sell in this world. But keep in keep in mind, novel also refers to a fictional account or narrative as a noun, right? And so that's very important for those who give a damn about sounds like is like, right? Well, it's all fictional because this is digital currency. This isn't gold or silver or or uh, rupees or popple beads or anything. Fantasy land. Right? It's it's double fiction because it's it's a, a fiat digital <laughs> currency. Right. That's like saying it's fake fake money. It's bullshit. It's exactly. bullshit. It's counterfeit fiat currency. (laughs) That's great. All right. Shall we jump down here to overview from a banking perspective? Sure. Section two. The basic functions of money are that it serves as a unit of account, medium of exchange, and store of value. While money is associated in the popular mind with physical cash issued by central banks, broader... <laughs> do you, I love this. They don't even admit the governments make their own freaking money. No, it's got to be issued by a central bank. Fuck you. You know what? Just fuck you, all you banksters. Broader monetary aggregates that serve some of these functions include bank deposits created by commercial banks when they make loans. Thus, while currency banknotes and coins are physical forms of money, much of the stock of money in modern economies is already in digital form. Yes, there's less than 10% of money in existence being used today in actual physical existence. Even digital central bank money has already existed for a long time. Thanks for admitting that. Electronic balances held by commercial banks and occasionally other financial institutions at central banks, referred to as reserves, are used to facilitate payments and settlement through interbank payment systems managed by the central bank. The spe- a fractional reserve system, yep. which means that only a fraction uh, of the uh, actual currency is in circulation. The specific innovation that we consider in this paper is the replacement of central bank-issued money that can be used for retail transactions with their digital counterparts, which have come to be referred to as CBDC. 
In short, CBDC are fiat currencies issued by central banks in digital form in place of or as a complement to physical currencies such as bank notes and coins. So there you go, guys. It's just more fiat garbage. It's it, it, Nothing's changing except their control system. You're right. They're making well, it easier to control it because you don't have to have any physical paper on you to actually buy and trade with. No, they could just control that. With it, relative ease. Well, it actually puts you on a hundred percent dependence, where the system can tell you no anytime, control you because if you haven't paid your taxes, which we opened up with saying that this would be used to stop tax fraud. But look up the word fiat. Anyone who gives a damn—that's a royal decree or you know a statement, a dictate given by people in power. Um, this is this what this represents is the ultimate loss of freedom ultimate i can't think of a more caging thing that could be implemented yeah i mean it is uh, absolutely um financial enslavement and it seems to have been going this way for a very long time we just didn't know us poor froggies <laughs> they turned up the heat in the water we just didn't notice until it started boiling yeah, and that's the thing. They've been slowly kind of uh, leading us into this over time. And they started first with the, the fiat currency, not backed by anything, the paper notes backed by gold. And then they switched it out. Now it's backed by nothing. And then they switched over to the use of credit cards. And now they've gone from things like credit cards to uh, an app on your smartphone you could pay with. And, you know, it's it, where does it go from there? It just goes basically to something tied biometrically to yourself. Uh, in order to pay with and then once they have that and there's no actual cash around like not an actual physical thing that you could use as currency it's all digital then guess what your freedoms are totally gone they could control you it's total dependence upon the system in order to be able to get the things you need so and if, as if that weren't bad enough so you know if they ever decide to drop that emp and fry everything well all those records are gone we'll just have to start over and that's probably the only way they can get out of the uh, pyramids ponzi scheme that that is vr currency um we'll, we'll see what happens but um <laughs> I don't know, man. They're they're playing some serious games here. By the way, does everybody realize, I mean, I know everyone I'm speaking with here does, but that credit cards themselves are complete and utter poppycock? Like, that's not a bank or a corporation loaning you money. That's creating a make-believe account that then has to be paid back at extreme interest, which is usury. Uh, it's, it's usury in, in like the worst form too, because it wasn't even real money to begin with. It's money that you created into existence with your signature by agreeing to it, but they're actually stealing your labor, the power of your labor to get something out of you. And they didn't have to do a damn thing to do it other than be told by the central banks that it's okay for them to do it. Like this is literally them manipulating us and everyone's just like, yep, give it to me. I'll take it. They're playing a dangerous game, man. There's going to be a straw at some point that gets put on the camel's back and it will be a bridge too far. Carry that for yep. one second. I got to fix my air conditioning. All right. Well, some air conditioning. <laughs> well, basically, the whole thing works on the principle of uh, I'd gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, like that old <laughs> right. character from the Popeye cartoon. Wimpy. Wimpy. Yeah, Wimpy, Wimpy. That's what his name was. Yep. That's that's human nature. I'll, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. So that that's where the whole credit card idea came from and where people largely get the idea of this whole fiat currency thing. Because if you don't 
physically have it, you don't have the means for it, well, here's a system now where, okay, we'll, we'll give you this, that now you have the means to get it right now, and, you know, it's your problem if you can't pay it back later. Exactly. And I'll, I'll, sell, you, I'll sell you my, my future labor. <clears throat> yeah, you, you just give me what you have, you know, to give for now and keep giving it to me until I'm satisfied. And that's that's the thing with it. it. It's basically how the credit card works. Oh, okay, you missed your payment this month. Well, next month your payment's going to be higher, and we'll tack on more interest. And now the total balance you owe us back is X amount of dollars more. So that, that's how this works exactly. There's and percentages on of, your percentages. <laughs> right. And then and that's the thing. I and mean, then people again, into accepting this. Isn't I mean just on the surface of it, right? So uh, the idea of a credit card again, you're you're essentially selling your sweat equity, your your labor, future labor. You're literally selling yourself into slavery. <laughs> literally. Sorry. I mean, I, I laugh, and it's. I mean, I, I, of course, I don't have credit cards, and I haven't for many years. But um, so many people are in crushing um, debt, right? So uh, currently, I hold no prince, um, no no debt instruments at all. Uh, but um, so many people are right, just in crushing debt to take. Some of people can never pay back, and um, but literally, it's selling yourself into financial slavery. Um, yeah, but watch what happens. Uh, we'll forgive all this debt you've accumulated if you go to this digital system. We'll even throw some shekels in for you. <laughs> but what I'm I'm wondering is, uh, like, if you went to Libra, you could probably find pretty simply what you'd expect on the patent. But if you go to the digital one from China or the digital CBDVD from the central bank, I wonder who's li who's listed on the patent or the patent application if it's not been finalized. That would be a telling thing, wouldn't it? It, it would. And when, uh, Anybody want to look that up while we're chatting? It would probably be considered a matter of national security in that it deals with um, central bank of a, of a country be my guess, especially in that case of a communist country. I mean, it might be, but that would be my first guess is they would consider that a, uh, a matter of national security and therefore um, it would be, um, well, they're not going to tell. By the way, my last point on the soapbox about credit cards is, do you notice how they target the young as soon as you're 18? And if you are in college, especially, they will bombard you with these things because they know you're young and dumb and you'll just use it. College? And you get yourself college? in debt. Do we still have? We don't have college anymore, do we? Uh, well, we have yeah. computers. <laughs> yeah, we have digital <laughs> online. Even Rick and Morty takes the time to make fun of somebody taking a digital college education. They started um, way back in the day, even when I was a kid. They started with the. Uh, you remember the Columbia House Record Club? Yeah, I uh, I did that. Actually. I did too. Yeah, so that they start you right away with uh, building debt, and I was a teen. I mean, I don't know, twelve or thirteen so, years old. So was I. So uh, and, yeah, and unaware how you were going to make your next payment, but yeah, I did that once. I did too. To learn my lesson. I did too. So, but they they certainly indoctrinate you into the idea right away again that you're you can sell your future income, uh, just get what you need now. What you want now it might not even be need. Oh yeah, exactly. Instant gratification society, that's part of it. And a disposable society, because a lot of what you're going to get is crap anyway, right? Right, or uh, obsolete before you ever get it, especially... Why uh, obsolescence? Not, not the entertainment, though. That'll be quality. We don't have entertainment <laughs> anymore. We have, <laughs> oh, we have influencers. Okay. Think about it. Yeah, we don't... 
when when did we have entertainment? When did a movie come out that wasn't trying to influence you or shove some sort of bullshit politics down your throat? There's no good entertainment anymore. It's all nonsense. It's always been nonsense. It's just that the nonsense has no protective patina anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. In your damn face. I'm with Crow. I've been looking back through old stuff, and it's all there. Um, it, it did have a little bit better. They, they spent a little more effort with the art part and uh, made the dialogue a little bit better. Uh, but uh, it's always been there. I, I go back and look, and I'm like, God, how did we not see it? Um <laughs> Well, the, at one time they were a little bit more subtle with the social. Programming. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They were right, right, they right, were right. more subtle. Yeah, they they but just really, opened the kimono entirely now. Yeah, some of it not so much, man. The the segregation and the the putting down of everyone's mother in this world. Go back to the 50s and look how blatantly they're secondhand citizen women and getting away with it because it's in movie after movie. It's it's kind of shameful that we could have been so asleep um, as to allow that to go on. Yeah, it's going to change now because this age is all about women. So men better get ready for the same thing in reverse if we keep on this trail. Well, they've been doing a lot of crazy shit for years, like trying to get men in dresses and things like that. Like they were they were planting crap, but it just it, it's not like how it is now, where it's just over the top ridiculousness. Yeah, they've been um, you know presenting uh, men as dullards uh, in sitcoms since and the movies 80s. for. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say since the since the mid '80s, um, you know, the the women are the smart one and the men are dumb in advertising and in everything. Uh, but uh, yeah, one, in looking back, some of the stuff is so blatant propaganda. And one of the ones that just slapped me across the face, of course, is uh, all the stuff relating to um, you know the nuclear hoax uh, and you know the bomb. And when you look at that stuff, it is so clearly, blatantly, just in your face, obvious as being propaganda. Again, I can't, I can't believe. Uh, anybody bought it, but people were more naive, certainly more trusting uh, than, especially in the 50s and 60s. They were much more trusting in the government, um, certainly. All right. One simple Sorry, we've form. strayed a bit. <laughs> we did, we did, but I'll pull us back around. One simple form of CBDC is e-money. Is that a rap song? This can take the form of specific amounts downloaded to a mobile phone app by designated financial institutions in exchange for cash or transfers from bank accounts, and that can be used for making payments at approved businesses. In an alternative formulation, all agents in an economy would have access to central bank accounts where the balances could, in principle, be interest-bearing. The central bank would, in effect, become the manager of a sophisticated payments system that would also allow it, depending on the structure of this CBDC, to implement conventional and unconventional monetary policy in non-standard ways and, in some respects, more effectively. The first option is easiest to implement and, in combination with mobile phones that have become ubiquitous even in low-income economies, got an Obama phone... Mm -hmm. has significant potential to improve financial inclusion and reduce dependence on cash. The second option is technologically and conceptually more complicated, but has greater potential to be scaled up into a payments system that serves as a backup to the private payments infrastructure. One concern about central bank deposit accounts is the possible disintermediation of the banking system, a subject that will be explored in more detail later in this paper. Recognizing this risk, some central banks that are experimenting with CBDCs are taking a hybrid two-tier approach. Under this approach, central banks would disseminate CBDC to commercial banks just as they now do with cash. And commercial banks would distribute these to individuals and businesses by setting up and managing digital wallets. So I'm going to push some buttons to you, then you go push some buttons to the schmucks. 
Mm-hmm. Subgovernments, such as those of the Marshall Islands and Venezuela, have ventured to develop what they refer to as official cryptocurrencies. The Venezuelan government has created the Petro, a digital currency backed by the country's oil reserves, which is ostensibly <laughs> a cryptocurrency that could help avoid financial sanctions imposed by the United States. It is far from clear whether these, whether such digital currencies can be considered the equivalent of fiat currency and how they would help get around international, international financial sanctions. All righty, that was a mouthful. Indeed, that was. The digital <laughs> petrodollar. <laughs> yep, but that's actually backed by something, so that's not going to stand. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wait, that has that value for somewhere? somewhere? Right there. It's not clear if such digital currencies can be considered the equivalent of fiat currency. Well, no, they can't because they're backed by something real. That's so, but they got to get rid of that right out of the gate. <laughs> they can't have a fiat system if there's actual value somewhere to be had. Yeah, right. We can't so, do fiat <laughs> if it's actually backed by something. What yeah, what? <laughs> what are you thinking, Venezuela? <laughs> oh, man. Maybe it doesn't matter. You know, I don't even think any of our lives matter until black lives matter. So oh, there's oh, all that. Hey. Snap. All right. Let's see. Where do we want to go to from here? Sounds, sounds like that dog from the race cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, Muttley? Yeah, Muttley, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was his name. Oh, like wacky dear. races. That's wacky races was. and Dick wacky Dastardly. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Rest, that's a freshman <laughs> regression. <laughs> Where the hell are we, Jason? In this document? We're at two point one, but I we this is kind of a repeat of stuff we've already gone through. So let's jump down to since we're already half done with the show. Two point <clears> two, <throat> if anyone is following along in the document, why issue a CBDC? The key motives for issuing retail CBDC range from broadening financial inclusion to increasing the efficiency and stability of payment systems. In Sweden, an economy where the use of cash is fast disappearing, the central bank's consideration of retail CBDC in the form of an e-krona seems to be driven primarily by concerns about financial stability. The sharp decline in the use of cash for retail payments has occurred in tandem with a shift toward privately managed payment systems and consolidation among a small number of commercial participants, payment services, and infrastructures. The Riksbank notes that an e-krona could alleviate the problem of concentration of the payments infrastructure and also its potential vulnerability to loss of confidence. The digital currency would be based on a separate infrastructure that would also be open to private agents willing to offer payment services linked to the e-krona. The general public would have access to the e-krona with both payment suppliers and fintech companies having access to the network. Thus, an e-krona system would promote competition, innovation, and financial stability. So let me get this straight. You want to put out a currency in a country, a smaller country, not a behemoth like the United States, to compete with itself. With 9-11 encoded in the first letters of corona, by the way. Yeah, e-corona, yeah. yeah. Uh, You'll notice how many times they stuck the word e-corona in in that paragraph there. They're encoding something. That's a communication among people in the know. I counted at least four times there that that's there. Well, it's it's, so a, that's play, significant. it's a play on corona. It literally yep. means crown. If I'm not a kroner, that's all about crown. And without the electronic part, you're looking at an 11 and an 18 or 11.9 to open, 
uh, yeah, it's nothing but telling you your life really doesn't matter, even after everyone else's life matters. This is wholesale takeover by the crown. Yeah, I, I love the um, I love the bit about uh, counterfeiting. We we had already said that you know counterfeiting <laughs> fiat currency is hilarious. Um, so paper paper it's like currency the, the oxymoron of the day, isn't it? Right, Counter, and, counterfeit fake money. <laughs> right, and they do it they do it in spades here. Um, uh, when they talk about ancillary benefits to CBDC, paper currency is vulnerable to counterfeiting. Okay, uh, sure. CBDCs could in principle reduce this risk in principle, although the risk of electronic counterfeiting on an even more massive scale through Hacking. It's a major concern for governments that intend to take this. You think? Now, how, how dare you uh, knock off our fake currency? Well, really, yeah, but th- yeah, but think think about the danger in the uh, in the CBDC system being hacked. So as long as you know what the balance was, anyone can hit that number of keys again to put the balance back. So the danger that somehow someone could steal your digits is a bit laughable because if they could steal the digits, they're not worth anything. And if they did steal the digits, someone at a keyboard could put the digits back. It's not like they got to go find a new truckload of gold or something. Right? Gold? (laughs) Exactly. It's a complete clown show. It's Exactly. exactly. Howard Hughes hijacked all the digital currency. And by the way, I'll ask a simple question here since we know really the only things of value these days are gold and silver things like this why would any gold or silver purveyor even deign to consider taking a cbdc in exchange for an ounce of anything yikes Uh, right Again, not not, uh, not for any reason I can think of, unless it's again some sort of other exchange for power, right? Because uh, really, it's it's all about um, power and control, and we, you know we know that because uh, again, the, the money is all fiat. They just type in as many zeros as they want. Uh, it has nothing to do with that, and hasn't for a very very long time. I don't think this system's going to work for very long if they really go for this. I just can't. Uh, who knows? Maybe they're counting on the video game generation being all good with it, but still, the well, the they've got them convinced of it for years with like credits and things like that. I mean, that's it's it just is what it is, right? Yeah. I'm, I mean, not my again, my money. I, I hate to prognosticate, but my money is on the fake alien invasion. Once they once they pull that card out, um, you know, they the aliens. <laughs> our our light leaders can tell us, you know, anything that they want. Well, we know it'll um, work, dude, because everyone thought the freaking Goodyear blimp was a bloody <laughs> UFO. That's what I'm saying. It's a spaceship. Man. It's like it took it literally. Rose sent me the thing. I looked at. It. She's like, "Oh, I'm curious to know your take on this." I watched it for maybe five seconds, and I saw the running light. I'm like. There's a running light on it. You're trying to tell me a spacecraft is using a standard well, for landing. Air- <laughs> you got to dock properly. Come on, Jason. Man. And then I watched it for another five seconds and saw the LED screen. I'm like, come on! It's the Goodyear plan. It's the Goodyear. It and then all you had to do was look, okay. and articles were already out talking about that people mistake the Goodyear blimp for UFO. Dirigible, oh man. It's dirigible. <laughs> it just tells you like people people are gullible for just about anything. Yeah, it's almost like a, if we're so dim-witted as to go down this road, we're, we're kind of like that zebra at the watering hole that needs to be whacked because having children shouldn't be on the menu. Well, they bought they bought um, Handy Shook. I mean, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. I just, I mean, they're they're wearing masks for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's like face diapers. I just, I just can't with these people. <laughs> 
<laughs> are you telling I'm me? I'm sorry for I'm sorry for laughing, but man, it's, it's this is like the so magnifying ridiculous. glass, right? It, it it really has nuked the fridge at this point. It's just uh, I don't know. <laughs> no either, man. All right, let's jump down to section two point three: implications for the international monetary system, because that's important. The advent of CBDC, cryptocurrencies, and other new financial technologies could have implications over the long run for certain aspects of the international monetary system. One of the major benefits of improved electronic payment and settlement systems that would go with the proliferation of digital currencies is the increase in speed and security of transactions, along with a reduction in their costs. This would mark a substantial improvement for settlement of trade-related transactions as well as remittances. Even cross-border settlement of other types of financial transactions could benefit from these developments. DLTs offer the potential for reliable tracking of different stages of trade and financial transactions, reducing one of the frictions associated with such transactions. Such changes might simply increase the efficiency and lower the cost of transactions routed through banks and other traditional financial institutions rather than displacing such institutions. Both banks and non-bank financial institutions could expand the geographical scope of their operations across national borders using the new technologies. This creates new challenges for supervision and regulation. One complication is the lack of clarity about the domicile of informal financial institutions and the geographical locus of the supervisory authority of national regulators. The second is the potential accentuation of cross-border financial stability risks as more institutions operate across national borders. Oh, so they want a one-world government. Some of these challenges could be overcome by the greater transparency of transactions if they are conducted using a public DLT or if the regulator has access to the relevant private ledgers. For emerging market economies, the the expansion of conduits for cross-border financial flows with greater efficiency and lower costs could be a double-edged sword, making it easier for them to integrate into global financial markets, but at the risk of higher capital flow and exchange rate volatility. Such volatility, in part related to spillovers of monetary and other policies from the United States and other advanced economies, has often caused significant stresses for corporate and sovereign balance sheets in these economies, oh boo-hoo. These challenges could become greater if new payments systems and digital currencies increase both the volumes and fluctuations in cross-border capital flows and make capital controls less potent, adding to such volatility. The intensification of global financial cycles would not only engender more capital flow and exchange rate volatility, but could also constrain monetary policy independence even for central banks that practice inflation targeting backed up by flexible exchange rates. New channels for transmitting payments across borders more quickly and cheaply are likely to make it more difficult to regulate and control capital flows. So you know what? That Let's sum this up. Give us all the control and there won't be anyone having any problems anymore. You know, we'll yeah, just make sure it's all good. Have you noticed that they're not even carrying the big metaphor for you know, the law of the sea, the maritime idea that's all around the current money system. Like, I'll ask Baldini, uh, if we're talking about a current <laughs> with liquid in it, <laughs> is it possible to have friction in, 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 in a current? Is that only even a... Po- 
only if you freeze the assets, Crow. <laughs> well, that, I guess there it is. There it is. But they keep talking about friction in the currency. Uh, I don't think that's a possible metaphor because I guess unless they freeze the sea. Yeah, exactly. Free if they only if they freeze your assets. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I gotta I gotta take a potty break. I'll be right back. Right on. All right, let's jump down to section three: ledger infrastructure. The goal of a digital currency system is to track the balance of its users, allowing each to transact only his or her coins. One cannot map the technique of physical currency transaction to the digital world. A coin cannot be a simple file, and and a transaction cannot be a transmission of the file from one user to another. Had it been done this way, the sender could have copied the coins. Keep keep the copy, thus keeping the coin while also sending it. Well, yeah, obviously that's that's the whole problem here. Instead, contemporary digital currency systems maintain a global state comprising the balances of all their users. This includes everything from banks per client balance tables to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Updates to the state are called transactions. These could be simple transfers of funds or interaction with smart contracts. The transactions are serialized in a single ledger. The state of the system is the result of processing the transactions in the ledger according to their order. The transactions are typically aggregated into so-called blocks, each containing many transactions, and the blocks are linked to form a chain, imaginatively called a blockchain. So imaginative. So, dun, 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 dun. So let's throw something out here. Do you know how uh, Bitcoin... No one seems to know the true origins of it. What if that was their little test thing they threw out there however many years ago now just to see how it might all work, get through they, the kinks, they, all that kind of nonsense they, so that when the central banks finally wanted to do this shit, they already had it all figured out because we've all been doing it for them in the first place. Just a theory. They explicitly said that, Jason, um, earlier. Uh, they said while they they differ in um, their goals, um, they represented a technical um, experiment uh, that uh, proved the gave proof of concepts. Uh, so they explicitly said that, that that's what its purpose was of uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, earlier. Which is why no one knows how it truly started, right? Yep. No, and even a lot of people have speculated that it actually was. Uh, designed and put out there by artificial intelligence. Now, who knows? Maybe that's a true thing or not. But, uh, you know, it seems a little convenient that, uh, you know, the, the central banks that sounds their, a little saying this. Me. Yeah, the Bank of International Settlements, I think, is at the core of all yes, of this. So. that's correct. Yeah, that's that's correct, and they're they're named in this document as well. Uh, but yeah, I think it, I mean it, it just seems that uh, again they they used that as a testing ground. They had some other um, quasi um, you know competitive uh, products out there, but primarily it was Bitcoin. They kept it all you know super um, <laughs> intrigue uh, around it. Uh, but uh, it seemed you know, and everybody tried to sell me on it early on, going, "Oh, it's the way of the future." And uh, you know, they can't track it, they can't trace it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, like what? <laughs> what kind of drugs are you on? You think, oh, if it's electronic, they can't trace. That's like the exact way to trace it. What? The, what the <laughs> hell is wrong? It's with counterintuitive you? <laughs> on the face of it. Exactly. It really but yeah, exactly. that was the, that was one of the whole uh, big pushes for the whole Bitcoin idea. It's decentralized. 
guess what? <laughs> this is, they're talking about centralizing this decentralized thing. They yeah. let it out there to see what in the world people were going to do with it. And now that they see it, it could be a viable option. Uh, they're going to snag right. it up and, and we'll, it all together. Because it, it's, it's freaking blockchain. It's, it's not going to ever lose any data. Exactly. And if it was truly of any threat to central banking, it would have never gained traction at all. They would have never accepted it at stores. I mean, they would have shut it down immediately. All they had to do is say no. (laughs) Like uh, the the idea that it was any kind of threat to central banking ever is so preposterous. (laughs) It's poppycock. That would be like all of us just uh, like picking up a rock or something like just a random stone (laughs) and going in a store and trying to pay for your groceries with that. They're going to tell you no. Exactly. Hey, at least it's tangible. Central bank says, okay, well, we're accepting rocks as, as, you know, currency now. You know, that's our new fiat currency is the rock. So, I I mean, that's the only way something like this could happen. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny about the whole not trackable thing. Everybody was using this on the Silk Road and how many people's asses got nailed to the wall because it was, in fact, traceable. Yeah, and even even the premise that um, that that guy who made Silk Road got um, sent sent up the river, uh, I, I'm highly suspicious of that. My everything that I've seen of this sort of thing before, it's always um, a honeypot. It's always set up by the alphabet agencies to get people in to um, expose themselves, right? Um, yep. So here's the idea: we've got this secret place that you can meet. Nobody knows you're here, uh, and uh, oh, and the guy got arrested. So it's it's fully legit, right? That's <laughs> not. I mean, every everything that I've seen like that is. Is completely compromised from the beginning. It was intentionally set set up that way. Uh, that's who sets up all the black markets, the, yeah. the intelligence agencies. That's, exactly. that's where this stuff comes from. Well, sometimes right. it benefits them too if they want to keep things off the books. You know, at it least they they know when, where to where to put things. They know where to hide the bodies. All that crap. Exactly. It Funnel their them, drugs. Uh, in power, and it also exposes who are all the bad guys who are good at being bad guys, and uh, they're compromised. So if the bad guys can work for them, like the uh, mob and the CIA in the 1950s and early 60s, they they work together, right? While the FBI is saying that they're going after the mob, right? Or even the mob doesn't really exist. It's it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, they did they did that one for a while, uh, but but yeah, it just keeps them in control of the whole thing, and so uh, they know who all the the players are, and they can use the players that they want everybody's compromised um they, they control both ends of the playing field it's Absolutely. it's very clear and it's like the the idea that people can't see that um prima facie is just i don't know it's mind-blowing to me it's like <laughs> what kind of well, i don't know man it's like how, how long have you been in the world right how do you not see that's the way this game is played it's a blackmail economy that's how they <laughs> work it it really every is. every secret society operates on it what do you think yep. initiation ceremonies are for? <laughs> they, get you, they get you in there to do something, you know, naughty or to expose your secrets, and then they got you by the balls from then on. Jerking I mean, off while like, you're in a casket. Exactly. It's 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 the starting point. It's the jump off point, right? So um, that anybody can't. I mean, what what kind of research are you doing if you don't? <laughs> and again, forgive forgive me, anybody who's really into this, but the whole Q thing, can you not see, like on its surface, what it what it is? Oh man, <laughs> trust the plan. That's right. Sit there with your hands in your pockets. Don't do anything. We got it. Discovered. You know what we they did? It. That we got they basically it. said we're going to collect this data in real time, and when X number of people believe in Q, we're going to roll out all this other crap. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you'll you'll cheer for it, right? Oh yeah, martial law finally comes. You're sending them all to get. Oh. <laughs> <Jim Sickle. laughs> all right. 
I, I just have one question. Are we going to find out the CIA is involved in all this blockchain technology with the CIA? Oh, my God. That would have never Is there a triad somewhere we haven't talked about yet, Jason? Yeah. Well, oh, so won't that be terrific though? Once it all, like, you know, switch the flip, it all happens, uh, and you know, chaos everywhere. And then, uh, kind of, they flip the switch back on, and it's like, oh, n none of those, um, you know, famous people are out there. They did. They took them to get them. Well, they executed them, and they're all sitting on an island somewhere, right, out of uh, harm's way. Oh dear. Um, okay. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Q's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Just my opinion, but it's. Uh based from a lot of research and experience. All right, so each block contains transactions and the block order determines the global transaction order. The system should allow participants to add blocks in a serial order so the system progresses in a well-defined manner. It should also allow all and only transactions that abide by its predefined rules and prevent the removal of a block, which would have implied a reversal of history. To avoid a vulnerability to the crash or misbehavior of one or several machines, the blocks and state should be replicated, for example, stored and processed concurrently by multiple machines. The challenge is thus to orchestrate these machines so they all agree on this order and behave like a single coherent machine, despite network latencies and arbitrary misbehavior by a subset of them. This is called One world state order? machine. <laughs> <laughs> this is called state machine replication or SMR in distributed systems literature. Even in a centralized setting, there are hardware failures, so it is prudent IT system design to incorporate multiple nodes for fault tolerance. The design of the underlying SMR and networking layers affects the performance and the security of the system, but perhaps most significantly defines its ethos, how decentralized the system is. This choice determines how open the system is to participants and how much it is in the control of one or a few entities, which can redefine its behavior, stop its operation, withhold certain transactions, etc. There is a spectrum of decentralization designs from bank balance tables through semi-centralized systems like Ripple and Libra to cryptocurrencies, and there are clear trade-offs to be considered when designing a CBDC. The rise of cryptocurrencies since 2009 incited rapid development, advance, rapid advancement across this spectrum. All right, so that was a lot. Anybody want to... Yeah, I'll chime in there. Look at the idea here. It says the design of the underlying SMR and networking layers affects the performance and security of the system, but perhaps most significantly defines its ethos, how decentralized the system is. Is it really decentralized if uh, all it's doing is recording this data in multiple places at once? That doesn't necessarily designate that this is decentralized. It's just that it's being uh, kind of backed up everywhere. That, that's the whole key. That's why you're not losing any information. This has nothing to do with, you know, uh, being decentralized. That just has to do with the storing of data. So this uh, state machine replication system that they're talking about, this SMR, remember that because that's going to be pertinent later down the road when they try to use the whole Neuralink idea and uh, exactly. tie your brain 
tie your brain online because uh, <laughs> that's what this is about. They they could uh, we'll read back here from the other, the past paragraph. There, the challenge is thus to orchestrate these machines. I'll say machines in quotes, so they all agree on this order and behave like a single coherent machine, despite network latencies and arbitrary misbehavior of a subset of them. Uh, you could replace the word machine with human in there if you exactly. Like. And you and what they don't really cover in this document uh, is the um, all the, the digital wallets being tied in biometrically, uh, which of course um, you know we, we know is coming. Uh, but uh, directly to the point, I think Jason, you can go uh, if you go look at uh, four point one. It just answers that question: who manages the accounts? Right? It's going to go directly back to. Uh, they put a lot of gobbledygook up front, but it's basically central banks, right? We're like, of okay, we, we got this. We got this, right? So, um, yeah. In, in any in any case, um, it's you know again decentralized cryptocurrencies. They're like. Now it's all got to run. Basically, we, we need a centralized control for it. So, and of course, that's us. Well, <laughs> just just to make the joke here, of course, they had to get the CIA in there. So, the Information Security Foundations, the Confidentiality, Integrity, and Develop and Availability Triad, CIA. <laughs> oh, they love giving yeah. us the finger. And there's a it, con in there too, huh? And they had to throw the triad in there, of course, because well, this is a very foundational thing. I'm, uh, you know, the whole. The, the Trinity idea. Well, uh, this is an archetype used to build a foundation, uh, basically, is what this applies down to. So, you know, of course, they got to throw the triad idea in there, too, and tie the CIA to the triad, because, you know, why wouldn't they, they do that? They well, couldn't put the letters even in a different order so that it wasn't like, come on, it's just so blatant what they're doing here with it. There, there's another level of this because in a few of these descriptions of the official paper, they've used the word serial. Um, that has to do with the goddess series, um, the goddess of serials. Um, that's It's the same occult idea going on in seri serial killing, but when we understand that Libra was in the fall and that serial crops are harvested in the fall, you can see it going back to the, what's the name of the mysteries there, Wayne, the big one? Uh, uh, Illusions? Illusions? Uh, uh, yes. The Elysian Mysteries. Right. So that was about a whole other thing, but that's absolutely occultly placed under all this. Oh, no doubt. And they, they, you know, you notice they use a lot of these terms and stuff throughout the document. And, you know, you do have to pay attention to the words they're using. And it's important that we look back at the etymologies of a lot of these words. And just the way they try to, like, put them in a certain position where it's making an association. Like, right now, they're using confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And they're, and they're using this to kind of correlate things to CIA. So you can see how they're, they're, they're making the bridge there. You know, they're making the jump with, with this kind of idea. And it may not be spelled out directly, but... I mean, they're making the association, and that's an important thing that people need to understand. They do this stuff on purpose, and there's a meaning behind it, and there's a reason why they're drawing this association. And they won't come out and say it directly in this document, but anybody with eyes to see will look at this and say, oh, CIA, and they'll know immediately they're talking about Central Intelligence Agency. They're talking about intelligence agencies. It has nothing to do with what the little diagram they put on the screen here, confidentiality, integrity, availability. They're not all about integrity, these people. If they were about integrity, they wouldn't be charging you usury. So uh, I think about that. 
confidentiality. They wouldn't be sharing your information amongst themselves. Yeah. Availability, <laughs> availability. They, you know, they they would not have a fiat system if they had availability. It's a complete opposite. You could see the total inversion here of how yep. things really are. Exactly. Well, they got their Masonic overtone in there with the word uh, the use of the word orthogonal too. That's about right angles, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> there you go. Let's jump down to 3.3.4, decentralized ledgers with central bank monetary control. Of, of course. The most decentralized approach available is to use a blockchain infrastructure similar to that of cryptocurrencies. Unlike those cryptocurrencies, the CBDC is under centralized monetary control, but anyone can join and operate the system. This approach is called permissionless, as operators do not need permission from the central bank to join. Although the system operators can still change the system rules, known in cryptocurrency as a fork, in a permissionless system, a fork requires a wide agreement among independent parties. This makes controversial changes unlikely, but also takes away the control of the central bank. On the positive side, decentralized blockchains demonstrate unprecedented robustness. Bitcoin has been running continuously without interruption for over a decade. A decentralized implementation also prevents monetary controls and transaction censorship. The open membership implies that the different operators are not subject to the decision of any central entity. This is a desirable property of an instrument that strives to replace physical cash. However, this decentralization also implies no central control even when it is necessary, no reversal of transactions in case of mistakes, and no prevention of operator misbehavior like front-running. The setup would therefore have to include means aimed directly at these scenarios, which are active areas of research. Finally, it is not immediately clear how to implement the decentralized approach in the context of a CBDC. To ensure the security of such an open system, incentives are used. System operators, often called miners, as in Bitcoin, should receive rewards to incentivize them to follow the, desi the desired protocol. Unlike cryptocurrencies, here the central bank determines the inflation rate and the rewards for the miners. Although it does not choose the miners in the open system, the central bank in this setup is still uniquely powerful as it determines the reward rules. So they're just going to keep doing what they are doing now controlling the whole thing yeah essentially and you'll notice they were they used the term robustness in there this, i knew this, we'd get there i knew yeah, we'd get this there. robust idea I'm it telling had to you be guys, robust. it's important it's important because they use this in all of these policy papers if they use the word robust there's something important uh, implied in there when they're talking about this stuff so uh this like ties it to several uh, this that, that term just ties this cryptocurrency idea to other ideas that they also consider robust. And usually they have something to do with health or, you know, your physical being or, you know, uh, any type of uh, biometric type uh, data. So they use these terms a lot in those kind of contexts, too. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of a cue that they're tying this all together and robust doesn't that uh, didn't we uh, talk about the uh, word origin for that in a previous show here crow or something robust doesn't it retain to being red or something like that um i forget exactly where we went we did but it's all it's a bit like the uh the naming of pharmaceuticals right if it's got an x or a z in the name you know that's powerful medicine yeah yeah same thing if it says robust you know there's something heavy duty going on with it here so I still prefer um, I still 
still prefer the Arabica to the uh, Robusta bean. Oh, me, me as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. All right, so let's jump down to Section 4, Account and Identity Management. Since a CBDC cannot achieve its maximum useful, usefulness unless ordinary individuals can hold and use the digital currency, this raises the question of who should be responsible for managing accounts and satisfying associated responsibilities, such as identity checking for Know Your Customer compliance. This section first explores the question of who should be responsible for account and identity management, then briefly surveys the current and emerging approaches to digital identity and how they may or may not be relevant to CBDCs. So who manages accounts? Central banks traditionally do not maintain accounts for or enter into business relationships with individuals, only with banks. In this way, central banks effectively delegate the task of managing individual accounts and customer relationships to the commercial banks, allowing individuals to open and use CBDC accounts directly with the central bank, therefore would be a new business for most central banks, bringing with it many account and identity management challenges and potential risks. Providing individual accounts directly with the central banks may be a concern for citizens as well. For example, many potential customers may be more inclined to entrust their personal and financial information to a local business than to a remote government agency that they can at best hope to contact by phone or online. All right, so... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> shake shake your damn head. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's uh let's see. We're running out of time, so let's see what's the important aspects we want to pull out of here in the last half hour. Biometric identity, do we want to go there? Yes. Yeah, I think that's an important <laughs> facet of it. Uh yes. you know, did you get your vaccine? You can have your money. All right, so biometrics are often proposed as a strong technology-based solution to digital identity challenges. India's Aadhaar program is both a showcase and testbed of this approach, having registered over a billion people via iris and fingerprints. The use of biometrics for digital identity presents many challenges and risks that should not be underestimated, however. Biometrics are effectively passwords you can't change after something goes wrong. Biometric algorithms provide only approximate matches against biological characteristics that can change over time, be obscured, be destroyed accidentally or intentionally, and can be faked either physically or digitally in various ways. Even in the best circumstances, biometric matching algorithms inevitably exhibit both false positive errors, kind of like your bullshit COVID tests, incorrect acceptance of non-matches, and false negative errors, incorrect rejection of true matches. Error rate estimates in the case of Adhar imply that hundreds of thousands of records could be duplicates. Even the most precise and hence apparently secure biometric, namely DNA, is already subvertible by an identical twin and may soon be readily subvertible via increasingly efficient synthesis of organoids from stolen stem cells or perhaps the DNA residue we left we leave behind in our physical environments. Wow, this freaking Gattaca, guys. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> I don't think I need to keep pounding <laughs> through this. Um, <laughs> geez. Uh, wait, I'm looking for the word robust in the paragraph about the biometrics. It's, a, by the way, Wayne, if I'm, I, I just kicked it over. It's about strength in the oak tree. So that goes back to the, the idea of the oak. Right. The tree of life and all of that stuff. It's its a digital hack of the tree of life. The uh, royal oak. 
Let's see. What, uh, what about self-sovereign identity? This sounds entertaining. Oh, boy. One approach that has received significant attention recently in the blockchain cryptocurrency community especially is the notion of self-sovereign identity. In brief, the idea is to build a decentralized identity ecosystem allowing users to collect digital attestations of identity attributes from participating individuals or institutions and then subsequently to reveal or prove those attributes selectively to other individuals or institutions demanding identification. Users might collect in their digital wallets attestations to attributes such as name, address, birthday, and other personal data, degrees and certificates earned, citizenships or memberships, etc. Institutions providing these attestations might include governments for verifying government-issued identities attributes, for example, academic institutions for verifying grades and degrees earned, financial institutions for verifying credit or their financial history, and so on. Ventures such as Sovereign which is spelled S-O-V-R-I-N, that's interesting, are attempting to implement and build a self-sovereign identity ecosystem supported that's by some coin. industry nar- excuse me, industry initiatives and standardization efforts. All right, so that's, um, that's interesting. Let's see, digital wallets. Is there anything here we didn't already get to? I think those are on iPhones, and it's not one of the icons you can uh, delete, right? Right. They are on iPhones, yes, indeed. So if it's on an iPhone and your app icon cannot be deleted, that should tell you something. Yeah. I was just uh, searching this document for uh, robust, and there are a number of instances of robustness, unprecedented robustness. <laughs> <laughs> unprecedented robustness. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> And that was specific to, um, to again, that Bitcoin has been uh, running, they said, in the wild, uh, running uh, <laughs> continuously without interruption for over a decade in the wild. Has it been running robustly? Uh, yes. Uh, Which is poppy Unprecedentedly Because no one can tell you who controls it or who invented it, so that's just nonsense on the face of it. Let's jump down to 5.3, User Interfaces. Just as important as the capabilities of a digital wallet is how it presents these capabilities to CBDC users. User interface design profoundly impacts not only the acceptance of a system by users, but also system security. The history of internet browsers abounds with cautionary tales. Hackers and researchers have shown repeatedly how misguided graphical design choices have caused users to misinterpret browser content. Well, don't design something as shitty as Internet Explorer. (laughs) (laughs) There there should be a secret, you know, like you stick your finger in your ear and say tingling-a-loo, something unique, right? (laughs) Users have, as a result, been vulnerable to deceptive attacks that cause them to navigate to unattended malicious sites or click on malicious content, even in the face of warnings. USB-type hardware wallets for cryptocurrencies also underscore these challenges. Many include features to prevent malicious software from subverting digital wallets by displaying a valid-seeming cryptocurrency address, which is the account number, to a user, but instead generate transactions that send money to attackers. These devices include built-in displays that show the true destination address for a transaction. User studies, however, show that users derive only limited benefit from these cues. Designers of CBDC wallets will have to contend with similar challenges. 
happily, where wallets are managed by financial intermediaries or a consumer-oriented CBDC platform, it is possible to leverage the array of sophisticated fraud control mechanisms already prevalent in consumer payment platforms and similarly to benefit from user interface design experience. Don't hire Microsoft, stupid. These fraud control mechanisms typically depend on some form of manual and or automatic surveillance of transactions, however, exacerbating the privacy challenges discussed below. Some CBDC proposals and CBDC-like systems such as Libra envisage the possibility of sovereign control of wallet of wallets by users unless the cbdc takes on the task of fraud detection and remediation of transaction errors currently assumed by commercial banks sovereign wallets will need to adhere to strict security requirements like those in cryptocurrency platforms and fraud and error will be hard to detect or remediate all right anyone got anything or shall i keep going I'm trying to see what's what's a uh, really relevant since we're almost out of time here let's take a look down a little further on the document and see what kind of cool stuff's down there huh um privacy decentralization how about we get down to smart contracts section there we go (laughs) all right Many state-of-the-art digital assets feature a smart contract programming language. This is a way that independent third-party independent developers can extend the digital asset with new functionality. It is not necessary for a CBDC to provide smart contracts in order to fulfill its primary role as a digital currency, and some CBDCs, including the digital yuan, for example, are unlikely to do so. However, Smart contracts can be an important way that a CBDC fosters innovation from other entities such as commercial banks and fintech providers. There is a broad design space of smart contract languages for a CBDC to consider and potentially many pitfalls. Notably, there have been many expensive losses in cryptocurrencies like Ethereum due to smart contract coding errors, known as bugs, that have led to either to accidental losses or else made them vulnerable to deliberate attacks from opportunistic hackers. If a CBDC incorporates smart contract functionalities, then it will be important to consider safety and security when designing these. So... Let's see if the rest of this is boring gobbledygook or not. Well, we should point out, just to be clear, what an actual contract represents. That is like running as fast as you can away from divinity. Well, so a digital Crow, this contract, is what we've been doing. We've been talking about yeah. everything, contract law, maritime, like all that. It's just more of the same, isn't it? It's It's forcing you to make an agreement to basically admit that you don't have the divine spark when in fact you do it's almost to that level a contract and when you get into the idea of a make-believe contract which is already make-believe because it's enforced by a dead entity that has no life um, you've almost doubled down on the synthetic nature of a thing that is as dark as the deepest pit you can dig because that's what a contract is 
All right, maybe we should just touch on section eight, brief introduction to secure hardware. The term secure hardware commonly refers to a computing environment whose goal is to protect data and computation. Secure hardware can be used to execute security critical applications such that their data and execution is protected and isolated from the rest of the computing platform that can be untrusted. The use of secure hardware can enable significant security improvements compared application execution on standard computing platforms such as PCs and smartphones. In standard computing platforms, the security of any executed application relies on the trustworthiness of a very large software stack that includes the entire operating system, the OS, and thus millions of lines of code, and also the trustworthiness of the, where did it go to? Of the- I guess it wasn't very trustworthy. No, just mm -hmm. dropped off of, off of the thing, of the what? Yep. I, guess I have no matter. faith. Oh well. Did you? Jason, did you cover the um, contention and uh, uh, concurrency in the uh, smart contracts at all? Uh, like what? Back, let me go back up. What they're doing with it? Uh, Fifty mm -hmm. page fifty one. Just just the idea, right? It's like basically making floating transactions um, that they're they're describing. In fact, they even give some command lines on okay, yeah, uh, here how we go. to on how to create a floating transaction, like floating a check, basically, like kiting a check. Um, they're indicating uh, the way to do it. <laughs> so handling so. contention and concurrency in transactions. An important way in which smart contract languages have deferred is in how they handle concurrent transactions and shared resources under contention. A benign example of a concurrent transaction is the following scenario, which is reminiscent of check floating in traditional non-blockchain banking. Alice's account balance is initially $10. She initiates, she initiates a transaction T that sends $20 to Bob, more than she has in her account. Alice receives $10 into her account because of a transfer on chain, such as a withdrawal from an exchange. Alice's account now holds a $20 credit. Transaction T is committed on the blockchain, transferring her entire $20 account balance to Bob. Such floating transactions are supported in account-based cryptocurrencies such as Ethereum, just as they do with checks in the traditional banking system. It works because the identifier for Alice's account does not depend on its history of transfers. In contrast, with digital assets based upon unspent transaction outputs, such as Bitcoin, a transaction must refer not to the account identifier, but to the prior transfers that provide the source of funds. Hence, in an unspent transaction outputs-based digital asset, Alice could not initiate her transaction until after her withdrawal transaction is authorized. Okay, so they're trying to make sure that uh, you have money to spend? That's okay. So that's what they're saying. But what they kind of ultimately get to is that they um, they can the potential of smart contracts to accelerate systematic risk. So, uh, but what they are essentially doing is that they're saying uh, they can do this and float. Uh, they, you could kite checks um, for a while uh, in a digital domain. Um, so they're saying, uh, to summarize, um, the UTXO model can be seen as restrictive case of the account model, uh, but limit the ability to implement mechanisms, right? So they're saying, so that's too, uh, if you do it the right way, right, which is to not allow the, the payment to be made until the, as long as there, you can show that there's money coming in. Uh, and this is again, sort of like a, a loan, right? So you would like take a, a floating loan, a bridge loan uh, to pay that bill. And so they're, they're building in a way 
uh, to continue <laughs> the entire fraud of the um, <laughs> of this whole pyramid scheme, right? They, well, they, we, they're building it in. It's even worse than that because a system like this that is collecting that level of data in real time um, absolutely knows to a certainty what the odds are that you will effectively honor a contract, pay a debt, make the money necessary, have the money necessary, or even for that matter, live long enough to deal with the whole contract or whatever it is. Um, they know all this to a certainty. So the whole thing's a fraud on the face of it. Yes. Any any kind of systemic thing that lets you float a thing or has to be approved, it's all nonsense because they know to a certainty with that much data being mined in real time. And it gives them, um, again, unprecedented control. As long as they're the ones pushing the buttons, uh, they can, uh, again, have as much money as they say they have or prevent other people from having. Uh, in the case of my bank in Utah, right, uh, they say, oh, no, uh, we, we just didn't post that yet. So we're still going to charge you because we just didn't post it. Um, so it gives them control over not just how much but when, right? So it's a, it is a <laughs> – oh, man, it, it's a scam. <laughs> That's the best word for this whole thing, scam. Yeah. It's, al <laughs> it really it's almost is. like 50% of the system is appearances for people who don't know any better. Yeah. I'd say probably more than 50%. More than that. Yeah, I'm with Wayne. Right. I'd say m m much of it, right, is just the effort that they've gone to to put up uh, the facade, uh, the, the cover of the building or the patina, uh, to make it uh, appear as though it's working. I would say much of the same way probably happens in the legal system as well. Uh, and with criminal prosecution, they, they pick a few people out to say, see, we're getting the bad guys, uh, when they are the ones doing most of the illegal things themselves. All right, so we're getting low here. Maybe we should jump down to section 9.1, Implementing Monetary Policy. The basic mechanics of monetary policy implementation will not be affected by a switch from physical currency to CBDCs. Why is that? Because they said so, right? Right. <laughs> Is, Given, is there currently a monetary policy that I'm unaware of? <laughs> if you want to, if you really want to be real about it, it, the monetary policy is whatever they say it is. It's the golden rule, Crow. It's he who yeah. has the gold makes the rules. That's right. Well, in this case, they don't even need the gold, do they? Exactly. They have fiat currency. They just got to have the king <laughs> keyboard. Whoever owns the bank makes the rules. Given that a relatively modest share of the supply of broad money is in physical form, this should not be surprising. However, other technological changes that are likely to affect financial markets and institutions could have significant effects on monetary policy implementation and transmission. Retail CBDC disseminated through electronic wallets would make it easier to implement monetary policy more effectively in two ways. First, the nominal zero lower bound, which became a binding constraint for traditional monetary policy in advanced economies during the worst of the global financial crisis, yeah, that you manufactured fuckfaces, would no longer apply. The central bank could institute a negative nominal interest rate simply by reducing balances on these electronic wallets at a pre-announced rate. In an economy with physical cash, this should, in principle, not be possible since consumers and firms have the alternative of holding physical currency banknotes, a zero nominal interest rate instrument. In a scenario where there was no zero interest central bank issued alternative such as cash, it would be easier to implement a negative nominal interest rate on CBDC. 
If a CBDC coexisted with cash, there would be a limit determined by cash storage costs, frictions in the use of cash, etc., to how low the central bank could drive the interest rate on the CBDC. In principle, negative nominal interest rates that would become feasible with certain forms of CBDC should encourage consumption by making it expensive for households to maintain cash positions. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. This is just beautiful. That is fucked, man. That, so what they're saying is – I'm sorry? Read that one more time, that last line. In principle, negative nominal interest rates that would become feasible with certain forms of CBDC should encourage consumption by making it expensive for households to maintain cash positions. So in other words, they're going to make you holding cash difficult because fuck you. Do it our way and that's it. I have an idea. Let's do that by uh, making this uh, fiat coin shortage. (laughs) There There you go. There you go. Well, this whole thing out of, out of nowhere, man. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it? How many years ago did I tell everyone what crypto was going to do? I mean, that's about the most slap in the face statement you're ever going to hear anywhere where the central bank has basically just told you, you need to consume, consume, consume. And if you stop consuming and try to hold on to a few shekels, you're going to pay for it. Yep. Yeah, we don't want you. We don't want you to hold a cash position. No, they, we can't allow. Well, what this whole thing is expensive. saying is they they can if if there's going to be a crash of any sort, it's going to be all on them, and uh, they can keep everything stable because you're handing over everything to us, and that's the end of it. Yeah, well, uh, because I'm underbanked. <laughs> I think I, I think communal living is going to get real popular. If this I'm, I'm moving toward it right now, man, as quickly as I can. Uh, yeah. You know, Trying, trying to find a way to do that because, damn. Well, I, I think that's about the, the most we're going to get out of this uh, in the last couple minutes here. So let's just uh, anyway, go, go over some final thoughts, anything anybody wants to say. I'll drop this in the um, – let me see if I still have it saved. Yeah, there's the link again if anybody wants to go into what we were talking about tonight. But anybody got any final thoughts they want to give on this before we wrap her up for the eve? Uh, well, I'll, I'll go uh, first and try to try to keep it brief. Is that again? What you can see here uh, is uh, just a continuation of uh, what we cover frequently. Is uh, that none of the things that you see around you are they happen by accident? These are not um, organic uh, things that just occur. Uh, it's all been very well planned out in advance, and that includes um, digital currency. And they'll of course come up with an excuse that it's necessary for some crisis uh, to manage a crisis. We're going to need to move over to a digital dollar, or digital currency of some kind. Uh, but as you can see they've been planning for this for some time and that's um, true with most of these events including again taking down the power grid um, you know uh, martial law all these things they've been preparing for for a long time so none of these things are um, again uh, unanticipated they've been planning for them uh, so uh, as, we, as we were saying in the chat earlier um, by reading through these documents you can go through enough of them it, it makes it hard to sleep at night uh, but, but again you know I take the position ultimately good wins um, so they can do whatever the you know they're gonna they're gonna do what they're gonna do. Grappler's gonna grapple, but um, it's all uh, about what's inside of you. So take care of that first. But uh, yeah, it's it's serious out there. Do as much research as you can, and uh, it's uh, it's as thick as the smoke around me. That's for sure. <laughs> By the way, I didn't get a chance to watch the chat very much tonight. So if anybody was asking us any questions, I didn't catch anything. Feel free to ask us now before we sign off. And uh, Crow or Wayne, whichever one of you wants to go first. Any final thoughts here? Well, yeah. we, we, I don't even know how long ago we called this the first time. Um, crypto was never a good idea. 
It was never what you told it was. It was put in place as the bait and the mousetrap. Uh, even here, they're calling it in the wild. It was never in the wild. Something in the wild has someone who invented it and the admission of where the control lies in all the records. Who's controlling the records? Period. Um, somebody has to write the code. Somebody has to do these things. This whole thing was a put up from the get-go. And if anyone just heard what we read and do not understand that I've been telling the truth for a year or two or however long it's been, this will be the, the largest loss of freedom. It's, it's akin to the book of Revelation, having the mark to buy, trade, or sell, but kind of worse, actually. But go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. This this is very much akin to the taking of that uh, mark of the the beast system. Uh, that's basically what this is, and you know we could see they even talk about uh, you know everything like biometrics and everything being associated with the digital currency. I mean, I, I don't know how much more obvious and in your face this stuff could be, and it just boggles my mind that people still think that this is just you know, some kind of a work of fiction or, you know, that, that stuff like this is not possible. Uh, it's definitely possible. It's here. Uh, they've been working on it. They've got uh, the soft rollout of it already going on in China, apparently. They've been working on it. They have the, the whole uh, digital system pretty much in place, right down to the social credit score and all of that stuff that goes with it. Now, basically, they just have to perfect the digital utility that it's all going to be tied to, like everything, talking all your biometric data, your ge genomic data, everything like that, right along with your finances, uh, your social credit rating, your behavior, uh, your digital tracking signature, everything, everything, all this information tied to your person bodily and also, uh, you know, accessible by this artificial intelligence control system everywhere that's monitoring you 24-7. And this is what, this is the infrastructure for. And they could, if they control uh, your cash based upon the things that you do or do not do and you have total dependence on this system to live to get the things you need to live if you can't buy groceries because say you didn't pay your taxes this year so they, they froze your account so now you can't buy anything you're screwed I mean it, it's a total total slave system like like hardcore like beyond anything we could imagine I mean even if you go back like 40-50 years like anything like this would be totally an unthinkable thing they, they would think that this is not possible uh to look at the the things that happen in the book of revelation and and say you know oh well this is how it's going to happen it's unfathomable just you know how invasive this whole idea really is it's it's invasive into your very spirit when it comes down to it and that's spirit what this is crushing. about it yeah, is it is crushing. this is a prelude to permanent caste system the difference being that 90-some percent of everyone is equally poor. The only difference being the amount of possessions someone might be able to accumulate. That would be basically the complete metric for who's not dirt poor and who has a few things. Just possessions, Chinese crap, whatever it is. But that's what we're talking about. And not only that, this is iron-fisted control at a level that you can't imagine for the simple reason if you want to buy or sell or trade and they say no there's nothing you can do about it and by the way if you refuse to renew your driver's license or pay taxes do you suppose the system will let you trade freely and I noticed someone just wrote 
Um, yeah, we got you know, a question asking, there. How, how does it prevent bartering is basically the gist of the question. Well, it doesn't, but with a system like this, if you're, if you're going to get bullied this hardcore, do you not imagine that bartering will be against the law? Um, well, they did it before, so didn't it, they? The, the, in the yeah, 1930s, never, turn in your gold. Right. It will never stop it. And actually, at this level of poverty where you're being prevented from being able to hold any kind of wealth, the bartering will always be black market going on. But the point is, is that subsistence bartering, right, at that point? That's not bartering to be ahead in any way. That's bartering so you can have soup for dinner. Yeah, just basically so you could survive. That, right. That's that's it. And I could tell you that would only be a limited time thing too because when you're looking at uh, the idea of bartering in this type of a system, this would be totally uh, something they would consider against the law and it would be akin to, to the black market. So Absolutely. you better believe they would, well, they would allocate resources to bust this stuff up. I can tell you how they're they going to be able to do a lot of that too. The Internet of Things, the Internet of Everything. Everything's going to have a freaking digital code and, talking well, yeah, to everything else. Yeah. You know, your, your, and I, your, your iPhone's already doing the biometrics to some degree on you. Um, yeah. but, but I would point out that, um, again, these things are unsustainable in my view because what they're doing is they're crushing the divine spark out of a human being. And what's worse is they're getting the human being to go along with this in most cases, not realizing what they've given up. In the same way, we celebrate a birthday nine months after we were given the gift of life. And the, these types of insults to the divinity that was given us, um, they, they have a cumulative effect. We've, we get pulled further and further into an almost animalistic existence when we're not animals or we shouldn't be animals. And I think there's a shelf life for this, but the real problem is what is the shelf life? Uh, do I go to my grave dealing with this nonsense? Could be. Um, do my nephews, do their children, are we looking at 100 years of this nonsense? And that's really the main question here because they're making a run. They, they've already openly announced that they're making the run. 311 yeah. in the United States, it was openly announced that it's on now. The, the hour is coming. Um, something wicked this way comes. There's no doubting it anymore. And so the real question is going to be how many people are prepared to tolerate it and how many people are not. Well, the other and thing I, is in this document, they said what they're going to do. They're, they, they propose. And don't, don't ever forget that when you get these white – if these white papers are available to us, it's revelation of the method because yeah. that means that we can get it even though it might be for them as well to, to pass around all that crap. They said right in this document about making the – uh, hard cash, more difficult and expensive to hold on Too to. Too expensive, so, yeah. So there you go. There, there's your answer. Well, they're they, they're going to press the thumb down on us as hard as they can. I hate to be the turd of the punch bowl here, but we're going to have to find some new conspiracy theories because all the ones <laughs> we've been talking about have come true. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but think, think, think about 50 or 60 years from now when someone finds the things that we did in a sock drawer or on a, some old thumb drive and they've got an old computer. It'll serve as a record. Uh, we saw this coming. For five years, we've talked about it. We didn't know it was coming on 311 and we didn't know the form it was coming. But like Jason and I just interviewed Michael Hoffman, um, who actually knew James Shelby Downard. And in the preface of his book, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, written in 95, he predicted, talking about AIDS, predicted that it was going to be a plague in 95. So it was not that hard for human beings to understand that there's something coming. There's always an end game. 
But you see, this underscores the, the level of slavery we've already entered into. Most people don't have time. They got to work all day. Then they got to go get their damn license renewed. Then they got to prepare their taxes. Then they got to, then they got to, then they got to. There's yeah. no time in life to be a human being by design. What's that song? Uh, birth, school, work, death. You see, um, that's where we've come. So the idea, the slavery that we're showing you is all inclusive at a level that to me is unsustainable. Well, unless they can reduce the population by 80%, which I don't think they can. I don't think that would be tolerated. My point here is we had to be enslaved at a pretty high level just to get where we are because this was not hard to see coming. Go right. listen to episode one of Crow Triple Seven. I don't have a crystal ball and I'm not psychic. Right, and just to kind of add to the frustration of all this, we do have a very simple path forward that uh, could reverse a lot of this stuff that's coming. And it's as simple as this. Everybody get rid of your damn cell phone. Yeah, Think about would, it. That would put a kink. That that would probably spur uh, laws being passed saying that you've got to have a cell phone, which would be problematic, to say the Absolutely. least. But think about what this means in a world where we're, we've already done it. We're like, I take care of an elderly mom, nothing to do with computers. Had I not been here for her, how would she have survived without having access and the ability to use at any level? Or here's another question. What about all these schools where they're doing this? And I quote, hybrid. Well, kids will either not be in school, which means they're at home on a computer, um, or they'll do it 50-50. Uh, Jason and I have a friend who's actually a genius tech hacker. Um, and I've seen what he's going through to keep his kids up to date with what's going on digitally. What about all the families that don't have the first clue about how to deal with digital things? So you can see what's happening here and it's all by design and it's destabilization. But what we're going to have to recognize is these allegories have been put before us. This world, you know, my wife just said it today that the world was once the Garden of Eden. It was. Well, what's the difference? Well, the allegory we're handed is that we ate from the tree of knowledge. So we knew the difference between good and evil, right? So what happened when we all of a sudden had this, well, now we want to make things. Now we want to affect nature in a way that allows us to do all these other things. And that is the example of the separation from the kind of godliness that we're giving up to go down these roads. And it's a catch-22 because I don't think there's any going back. No, that's the sad part. There, there really isn't any kind of turning back at this point with the way things are. Uh, our whole societal structure is based upon these technologies now, and you can't get by. It's kind of like they're they're forcing people's hand to have to get these things and use these things: computers, cell phones. It's the same thing. I talk to my mother on you know about once a week on average, and she wants nothing to do with a computer, but she's getting to the point. Uh, or even a cell phone. She has one of those old flip phones, like a track phone that she has just for emergencies. But she's getting to the point now where she's considering where she might actually have to get a computer because it's just becoming more and more difficult for her to do things the old-fashioned way. Even stuff as simple as paying your bills just the old-fashioned way by sending them through the mail and stuff like that. It's getting to be a hassle. Of course, yeah. on even, purpose. E even yeah. there, it's in the in the name, track phone. <laughs> yep. Track you, yeah, they kind of put it out there, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, go go ahead and, you know, like the private website that I've been doing for so long, it's nearly impossible 
without a so-called smartphone to do that because so many of the things that are going to be required need that second ID. We'll text you this. We'll do this, this. Uh, pushing harder and harder that you have the so-called smartphone, the old track phone, which I held on to forever. Um, you, it, it wouldn't work anymore. And so what they did is they said, this is going to quit working. Uh, it was 3G. Um, well, we finally heard that in December, all 3G devices will be killed on most major networks. And that's a choice. The 3G could continue to operate as it always did, but that's a choice. Yeah, same so with them making digital broadcast uh, for television oh, yeah. mandatory. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. They got rid of the analog broadcast. And, and like, really, they're, they're concerned that you can see a football replay. Uh, right. I mean, uh, and again, uh, clearly this is to to embed and in, encode uh, stuff, something uh, there. And uh, to to answer the question, I, I know it's coming up, uh, Crow. Just one. I got just one email so far on the 9/11 project. So hopefully, maybe that we'll was it. continue. Yeah, that's it. So um, we'll uh, hopefully, if we can try to continue the idea, I think you know it's probably not happening just at one day so no any uh, day of the week yeah yeah exactly so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep trying myself uh, i didn't have a lot of time but i did a few things and you know i didn't catch anything but uh just got one email so we'll keep we'll keep trying the idea and see what see what we got did they submit images in the one email uh it was uh they got what, something what they sent well, what they sent was a link from Germany, and it's just a little um, video clip, and they point out a little something there that's un unusual, and I have to kind of go through it a little bit more deeply so it wasn't just a static image. So, um, yeah, what, um, not what I'd hoped for, but we'll we'll keep trying. I, yeah. I'm not dis I'm not discouraged. I'm disappointed, but not discouraged. Fair enough. Well, we're we're at ten after, so I'll, I'll do the jump, Jason. Uh, we're releasing. Episode 252 at one minute past midnight tonight um, with another Australian legal mind who apparently does not fail in court and has not failed. And, and has instructed also the others. Of, right. He's a bit of a mentor to um, Tom Barnett um, and some of the others. He's he it's it's unreal to talk to him what what's going on. But what it does is it shines a light to let you know. Um, this is not an impossible road. And by the way, what's about to happen may go down very differently for an individual who can hold position and maintain the rights of the private realm, because I suspect the calling will be in the public realm, and I suspect it will be done through offers. And that's unfortunate, but the truth of it is, the zebra that gets whacked at the watering hole nature's design to take down that zebra wasn't paying attention wasn't as quick as the others whatever whatever the cause is and every day zebra is going to go down at the watering hole um we're about to go through something similar to that the only difference will be is the lion's not pouncing on us he's making offers and people are accepting offers and the smart offers, contracts well there you go there you go and these the, to accept some of these offers is to do serious damage to your well-being Right. And uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Michael Hoffman? For those who don't know, uh, I have said a number of times that the text King Kill 33, uh, anyone who reads that and still doesn't understand how to recognize what drives this place around us and the level of nonsense, which is in the 98 percentile and pull you back to reality so that your mind quits getting warped. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Michael Hoffman is, as far as I know, the last person around that I could get access to that knew 
James Shelby Downard, who he helped write King Kill 33. He also wrote another very important book called <clears throat> Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare. He was the only guy that I'm aware of that covered the Black Obelisk right out of 2001 A Space Odyssey that showed up in Seattle <coughs> on uh, September 11, 2001. He's the only individual I've seen who rightly put the blackjack idea and has pointed out that 2001 is just 21 in one of its iterations. And he has further pointed out, because he just sent me an email about the anniversary of the blackjack, which I recognized it for what it was. I think that's why he said it, to see if I would. And what will the year be uh, when we come through January? It'll be 21, right? Blackjack. Mm -hmm. So all these things are going on. People have handed all these keys. Um, and so we're going to cover it, and we're going to make it possible so everyone can hold a copy of King Kill if they wish to, um, and these other books. And to me, of all the things that I've had as a one-off, I don't think there's any higher toolkit I've ever been handed. When Mandalay Bay happened, I knew what it was, but because I was aware of King Kill 33, I took it apart six ways from Sunday. It was undisputable after that, even though people still wanted to echo the false death ideas. But there's all that. Oh, wh when's he coming on, Jason? We're we're not sure. We haven't decided when we're going to release it, but it's probably going to be sooner rather than later. Yeah, we want to get it out quick, so it yeah. might not be a Thursday or a Saturday release. Uh, maybe we'll look at the day of the sun or something, but we'll time it out as we can because we're, we're so stacked up now, it would have been at least two weeks or more before we could get it out, but mm -hmm. we'll, we'll do better. Yeah. All right, Baldini, what you got coming up? Um, let's see, just, uh, let's see, tomorrow morning, uh, join me with, uh, your lovely Rose 777 on Rose 777.2.0 channel, uh, for the Poppycock Report. We'll run down the Poppycock, and then, of course, I'll be back on the weekend, Unintended Consequences, that's my channel, Saturday morning, and also Sunday, twice, uh, Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, um, Ancient Wisdom for Modern World, and I think this is Wayne's week off for Solar Scriptura, so I think, uh, I've got a special guest lined up for that, uh, that's 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time on Sunday evening so uh, all, all over the place <laughs> if you throw a rock you'll hit me somewhere Wayne what you doing anything uh, just working on the finishing touches of my new book which should be out by the end of the month here and uh, got a little film project coming up I'm working with Richard Willett on so uh, awesome. got all of that got all of that stuff going on so uh, you know other than that just the, the usual uh, I'll be here every Wednesday night uh, I'll be getting together with you guys over at Crow Triple Seven sometime soon. We discussed doing a show there, so we'll get some notes together and do that too. Well, uh, we should we should have we should have you on for the release of the book too, Wayne. If it doesn't coincide with what we're about to do, we should make it happen. All right, sounds good. What's the title we'll of your new book, that. Wayne? Uh, it's called Cybernetic Messiah. The uh, I can't even. I can't talk right now. My, I got tongue tied there. It's called <laughs> Cybernetic Messiah: Building the Antichrist System. So, that isn't that one out. of the books from Dune? <laughs> you would think so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it. By the way, I'm gonna be doing a presentation at Flattoberfest on October 24th in South Carolina. So come see me. Say hello. Let's do something in person because. That can still happen, by the way. We don't have to all sit around with uh, stupid... Oh, I don't even want to go there. I'll just mouth off about a whole bunch of stuff I shouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> let it go. Yeah, I'll just let it go. I'll, I'll go on a tirade. 
All right, yeah. come see me, everybody. Be great to meet you. We can have coffee. We can all meet in person. Uh, it's it's at a. Uh, uh, what do you call it? A Shriners Hall, a I Shriners, think. Shriners, yeah. Yeah, they got that because it was the only thing they could find that uh, they could do maskless. So nobody has to wear a stupid freaking mask because I sure as hell wouldn't be. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the only facility they could find where they weren't going to harass them about all that bullshit. And uh, by the way, commercial sound beast, video, definitely. he's he's going to be there. Uh, hopefully everybody will be there and we'll max out the place and it'll be a great time for all. So that's going to do it, everybody. Thanks for being here. I know this is a little bit of a dry topic, but they're telling us what they're going to do, folks. This is, again, revelation of the method. They're going to be breaking the shit into the best of their ability and they're telling you, hey, this is what we're going to do to you and sooner probably rather than later. But that'll do it. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Take care, everybody.